it's time for the beer phase. With your hosts, Mark Cox. The only Cox in podcasting. Jeffrey Swan. Softest hands in the South, baby. And Ryan Smith. Doesn't matter as long as we're all having fun. guys we are back again uh with another beer phase episode episode three uh i'm jeff swan i'm ryan smith i'm mark cox and we got a special guest this evening rob enough how's it going rob i'm doing great how about you guys how's how's things in texas (laughs) hot my lawn (laughs) is still dead (laughs) it's been been warm yeah (laughs) It's well, it's, it's raining here in Memphis, so it's been very oh. humid. Oh, nice. Well, yeah, bastard. I guess humid could be Lucky that, Lucky bastard. Um, for those of you guys who don't know, uh, Rob, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, give your, give out uh, where other people can find you, and yada, yada, yada. Yeah, so I'm Rob, uh, Rob Enough, Rob P. Um, I don't know, I, I do a lot of tournaments. Uh, you can usually find me somewhere on the tournament circuit. Except for, for some reason, not in Texas. I haven't played the one in Texas yet, so I guess I'm missing new. out, man. Missing out. I know it's outrageous. Uh, but yeah, we do the. Uh, we have a couple couple podcasts. We do the uh, Ohio Hammer podcast, which uh, used to be about Warhammer. Uh, we're in <laughs> we're in a transition phase. I don't know what we're gonna do. And then we've uh, tra- and we have we do another one called Counter Charge, which is all things Kings of War. So uh, that one seems to be getting more love of late. I don't know why. <laughs> right? <laughs> Can't imagine. Can't imagine. Yeah, it's it's a good podcast. Uh, I've been listening to it a lot lately. Uh, for those of you guys that are transitioning on over to to the Kings of War, it's definitely a must listen. It's probably one of the uh, one of the best podcasts right now to kind of get your feet wet and to find out what the rules are, in depth discussion on the rules, clarifications, stuff like that. If you have questions, that uh, they've they've pretty much answered all of them. So pretty pretty good in depth coverage on that. So with that, uh, we have introed and uh, it's time for the beer phase. Uh, Mark, what are you drinking? And what are you drinking out of? Uh, I've got my Stein that I pulled out of the freezer about 30 minutes ago, and uh, I filled it up with a bomber of the Clown Shoes Mango Kolsch. Ooh. It's I almost little... got that. I almost yeah, got that I... this week. I saw it, and I was like, shit, man, Mark would love this. I, I, I know. I bought it like two weeks ago, anticipating <laughs> drinking it like last week, and I just never did for some reason, so I pulled it out tonight. Nice. Um, 
it's a little more hoppy than I kind of would have figured for a Kolsch. Really? Uh, yeah, it's got a little hop bite to it. Not a lot, but it's just, it's a real faint. Like, it kind of overpowers the mango flavor. Which I've noticed is there, that with, like, all the peach and mango stuff out there right now, that they're really pairing it up with that that strong hop, which, like, is I sad, right? I guess they right? think that it'll, it'll balance out with yeah. the, the yeah, sweet totally. flavor to it, but, yeah. you know, that hop just overpowers it. So, again, it's a, it's a light hop note, but is that a hop seasonal? sensitive. I don't know if it's seasonal or if they're just messing around. Uh, Unchoose does a lot of beers. Yeah, they do. Um, every year, so I, I don't know if we'll see this one again next year or if this was just like a one shot. But it's it's good enough. I mean, I'd buy it again. Okay, uh, Ryan. Uh, I've got a Carbach Hopadillo from Houston that someone slipped into my ice chest when we were over at Bayou. <laughs> um, I don't know why people give me beer, but I'll always drink it. Um, I've been on an IPA kick all day. I've had like six or seven today, and this one's pretty good. I'm fond mm-hmm. of it. And anything that like references IPAs, an armadillo is, is awesome. Yep. What are you drinking out of tonight? I am drinking it straight from the can because that is Ooh. how I roll. Damn. <laughs> Damn, rednecking it up. All right, we'll go to we'll go to Rob. What are you drinking tonight, Rob? Well, I guess I'm uh the 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 uh, the, the not beer snob in the group. I'm just drinking <laughs> a golden ale from our local brewery, Ghost River. Oh, see, that's what we're all about, man. We like the local stuff when we travel. That's all we do is drink that local stuff. So yep, nice, it's, nice. It's it's good beer. I mean, uh, we have a, a really big uh, aquifer here. They got good water, so you know you just go with the basics. Nice, good, good. Uh, I'm going with one of my tried and trues, but I don't think I've gone over it on this podcast so far. Uh, I'm doing the uh, Mole uh, Temptress by Lakewood tonight. Um, it's a imperial, uh, milk stout. It's nice. It's heavy. It's got the back end on a little bit of chili and cinnamon on there. It's like a dark, um, it's, it's, it's like a, a bitter chocolate maybe note to it. It's, it's what you kind of expect out of a mole. Uh, Lakewood's one of our premier brewers in the area. They're known for the temptress and they kind of go off on tangents with three or four different, seasonals where they add a little something something one of mark's favorite beers is the sin mint temptress which like it basically tastes like freaking girl scout cookies man the thin mints those things were amazing but my take is the mole and i was lucky enough to find a couple bombers of these guys um at the end of the season because this has been out of out of circulation for at least a month now so i picked up a bunch of it at the last second so that's what I'm drinking. Cool. And I'm drinking out of a pilfered Red Robin cup that I was like, well, I'm here. I have a to-go. What if I shove this sweet beer glass into my to-go cup? <laughs> the waitress ain't going to notice. <laughs> like, I, I collect beer glasses. It's a problem. So... Anyways, we'll go ahead and move. We'll go ahead and move along here. We're gonna go over to the next segment, uh, which we're gonna do a little bit of Kings of War coverage, which is why we have Mr. Rob Fanouf on here tonight. Um, you know, he knows a little bit more about it than we do, um, being being as he has played the first edition. We've now transit transitioned into second edition. Um, Rob was an obvious choice to bring on uh, for this evening to kind of give 
a overall of the game to you guys and you know how it's changed from first edition if you haven't listened to counter charge uh i strongly recommend going over there and listening to that they've covered a bunch of it but um we're gonna give rob uh, uh the mic to go ahead and go over some of the basics and um why it's probably your obvious choice to move to from eighth edition warhammer so rob take it away brother Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, you know, obviously, I think most people know why it's the obvious choice, because it's really the only mass combat game left. Um, I mean, so that's the obvious. I mean, I guess that's the first obvious thing. Uh, the second obvious thing is that it was written by Alessio Capitore, so there are some similarities between Kings of War, uh, either first or second edition, and in Warhammer. However, you know, I, I, Jeff, we talked about this not too long ago. I I hate it when people say it's Warhammer Lite because it's not. <laughs> there are similarities, but there's actually more differences than similarities. I mean, uh, I don't know. It, it just drives me nuts because what happens is it puts people in the frame of mind like, hey, I'm going in to play a game that's going to replace Warhammer. Well, it could replace Warhammer, but you're not going to get the same experience. You're not going to get the same feelings. You're not going to get the same gameplay. I mean, it's... You know, I don't remember who who said it to me once, but uh, recently someone said to me, you know, that, you know, Warhammer, a lot of times you win and lose in army creation and deployment. In Kings of War, you really win in movement. So it's yeah. uh, it's a different animal. I mean, I don't know, maybe go around and what are, what are you guys' thoughts on Kings of War? I know you've played a lot, Jeff, and Mark, you've been playing some. Yep. Go ahead, Mark. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I'll go first. Um, I totally agree with you. Uh this this game does not strike me as much as a list building game. I mean, don't get me wrong. Obviously, Jeff has stumbled upon a couple of really good builds, but um, it it does it's not it's not a de facto. Well, this is going to win all five games. There's nothing anybody can do to stop it. Sort of list. So when you remove that aspect of being able to win before you ever even show up, now you've got to actually play the game out. You know and and taking away the crazy six dice spells, um, or the really wonky, uh, you know, just blow you out of the water characters, what you've got left is a unit game. And then, of course, in order to make your units effective, you have to move properly. So precise movement is the key to this game. And I, I love that because I'm a very movement savvy guy. I like a lot of movement. I like a lot of a lot of interactions in my games, and I kind of go, I'll go into that a little bit in my Bayou review, but um, yeah, man, movement is the key, and everybody thinks that, oh, well, these static charges, it's it's not, it's just going to be a Mexican standoff. Well, if you angle your movement correctly, you can have a charge on a person, and that person can't have a charge on you, even though technically you're the same distance apart. It's all about pivoting and wheeling and, and having your blocks in there, so I love it. I, I think it's great. I think it's more tactical in the movement phase than 8th edition was. Um, the fact that, you know, I can long bomb a charge if I roll double sixes, you know, for a unit that probably really didn't earn that charge, that's totally removed. And I I thought I wouldn't like that at first when I was first looking at the game uh, before we started playing it. But going back to it and getting into that precise movement, I, I like it a lot better than the, uh, than the, the randomized charges now. So I'm a convert. I like it. 
And Mark, I mean, to be to be clear, I mean, we we were both kind of like, eh, you know, not pulling models out of units and this and I that, that. kind of. Yeah, I, I love that too. Love that. I want to be clear on that. Like, we all we all really like that. It actually makes the gameplay a lot quicker. You know, the fact that your unit doesn't diminish until until you know it's pretty much honestly until it's pretty much removed but yeah it um, speeds up gameplay in a way that i don't think a lot of people truly appreciate until you've played a couple of games of it well a game transition yes, too yeah. like correct th there were times where we got done it by you and guys had to wait like 10 or 15 minutes on me just so that i could rack up my army mm -hmm. you know that that doesn't exist anymore major <laughs> steven a, bonus yeah <laughs> i pull a whole unit off i'm i'm set like we can go to lunch all right let's go let's do it yeah I'll have to uh, caveat my experiences. I played Kings of War. Here, here's Hipster Ryan coming out. I jumped in on their first Kickstarter and played the heck out of it, and then they released the full rules for first edition, and I played two games, and then got the Darklands Kickstarter rules and haven't played Kings of War since, so I haven't looked, I haven't even read second edition yet, but I need to. What I loved about the game was that it did what a lot of game designers try to do. It's a clean rule set that is very simple to learn, it's yep. very simple to pick up, but it is so nuanced in that that you can have completely different experiences, even two armies playing each other. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a horrible movement tactician. It's one of my <laughs> weakest phases of every game. Um, so I'm going to do horribly at Kings of War, but I love that it matters again. No, you just play Ogres, man. You'll be fine. Yeah, you know what, too, though? We're talking, about, we're talking about movement, and one of the big things that, that is different between uh, Warhammer... Uh, and, and Kings of War is obviously the difference between a wheel and a pivot. Mm. And once I've pivoted in, in Kings of War, I'll I'll never go back to wheeling. I don't know what you guys' take on that is. Uh, man, uh, I haven't played Warhammer in easily two to three months. And then I went to buy you this last weekend, which we'll be covering at the end of this podcast. But um, I defaulted to playing Kings of War. <laughs> And I was pivoting my stuff rather than wheeling it, and I got called out like, like it was because it, I just haven't played Warhammer. Um, I I think it's so much cleaner because you can't kind of fudge it. Like if you've got that player that is a little sloppy, that you know normally, oh yeah, look, I'm measuring from this corner of this unit, and this is a wheel, but they're actually kind of generating an extra almost half an inch out of their movement on it. A pivot's pivot, man. It pivots around your center. There's no question whether you gained or lost movement. It's direct pivot on center. There's no wheel. There's no nothing. So I think it's. I think it's. A, I think it makes it cleaner, personally. Yeah, and you know, you also mentioned uh, one of the big differences between Warhammer and Kings of War, which is uh, Warhammer is a model-based game where you buy individual models and take mm -hmm. individual models off. And Kings of War is a unit-based game. Um, I mean, I think you guys have already said it. It's faster. Uh, I think it makes it makes the game just easier. I don't even know how to explain it. It just makes it cleaner. Uh, you don't have situations where you're you're wasting time reforming. I mean, it just the unit is what the unit is, and it opens up dioramas and all kinds of really cool modeling opportunities that you don't really have in Kings in uh, Warhammer. Well, yeah, I didn't even it, get yeah. into that. It, it also stops I'm... a lot of abuses too, because. You know, in in fantasy, a lot of the guys that had to metagame were having to do these wonky ass conga lines. It's like, dude, a one wide a one wide unit of zombies is not going to stop this unit of knights. But in you know eighth edition, it does. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, So with Kings of War, where you're just, boom, I can, you know, my unit is this, my unit never changes, it's always this size. There's none of that, well, this guy's being a gamey dick by going, you know, two wide or one wide or doing this wonky, you know, reform. Yeah, you also don't get the uh, front rank allocation issues that people love playing shenanigans with in Bretonian or Ogre or Vampire Armies, too. Um, That was the other thing I didn't get into. I can't wait to start doing diorama units. Oh, my God. I cannot tell you how excited I am about the fact that all I have to do is make a big base. And then as long as I have roughly the right number of models and the base size is right, anything I want can be in there. Oh, my God. Gosh, I am so excited to be doing armies again. Seriously, yeah. I mean, Rob, do you want to touch on like what the restrictions are for the diorama bases in case people are looking into that? I know that there's a loose yeah. kind of idea on that. Yeah, I mean, ba- basically, what, what, what Jeff's alluding to is basically uh, in the book, they tell you how big the unit should be. So if your normal infantry is on 20 millimeter bases, they give you the actual dimension in millimeters of how big the base is. So... It's really easy. You just make the base that size, and then you put the, the amount of models on there um, that that look good, but also you want to make sure that you have more models on that that unit base uh, more than what's the the pre the, the unit that's lower than that. So let me give you let me, let me give you yeah yeah. Why don't you outline that for people? So in Kings of War we have it's called a troop. A troop is a, a ten model unit, which is a five by two. Then you have a regiment, which is 5 by 4 uh, and then you have a horde, which is the standard 10 by 4 Well, basically, if you have a horde, you know, that, that's normally 40 guys, realistically, as long as you have more than 20 guys, if you have somewhere between 20 and 40, that's really all you need. You just need to make sure that it's clear that it's not a, a regiment. Even though, sure. and, and that's obvious, and that's, yeah. Yeah, and that's obvious because you also have the fact that you have a huge footprint. So, like, I'm working on a, a gargoyle unit right now for my abyssals. It's supposed to be a, a troop of ten. Uh, I can't put ten guys on there; they won't fit. Right, so I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm probably going to end up with like maybe six or seven. Eight, yeah, but it's gonna, like yeah, that. it's going to look cool, and I don't have to worry about having to make sure they rank up. It's like I can make them, put them in a diorama position, and that's how they're going to stay. So it, it's, I mean, it's beautiful. It's awesome. Uh, the the sky is the limit. I mean, we're talking. Full resin diorama bases are, you know, available, which you could never do before with Warhammer. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I kind of like about it is because, like, I'm one of those painters that really gets into the storyline of the army. So, like, I've got, you know, my demons where I've got a soul grinder, a Slanesh soul grinder that's picking up a corn demon, a, a corn herald, right, and just kind of crushing in between that claw and the OSL on it. And I'm just really, I'm, I'm really excited to have the capability to, you know, do like this dwarf army that I've been like just thinking about forever. And I'm just like, damn, you know, to do that with unit fillers, it's going to be such a pain in the butt to make it the way that I want. And now I'm like, oh, it's easy. I just grab a base. I have this many slayers on the base and uh, I just throw this, that and the other thing on there and do it the way exactly how I wanted. Um, And I think that's cool. Um, So, there's there's another thing that I guess has come up here locally um, with with the diorama style bases. So, um, and it'd be cool to get to get your take on on you know how you guys are doing over there right now since second edition like literally just dropped. So it's it's different for everyone. Um, 
So let's say I'm trying to proxy a unit of abyssals, right? So where I've got like a unit of Molochs, right? So their footprint is the same size as if I do a horde of Molochs, would be the same size as a soul grinder, right? So if I put that soul grinder down and say, eh, this soul grinder is a unit of Molochs. How are how is your guys looking like how is your area looking at that like I mean obviously as a transitional thing it's one thing but as a you know a year out from now are you guys going to be cool with saying like this monster represents a regiment of yada 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 you know what I'm saying like I guess yeah maybe, you know it could be hard to understand at points so I know, think for, what's the for limit us yeah for us it's kind of about effort so in your case if you're putting in the effort. You know, and you have the right base size. I think you could. You, you, that'd be cool. That'd be fine. I mean, if if they're doing it, it's like the old discussion we used to have about unit fillers, right? I mean, if you're just doing right, it to yeah, save money thing. and and not get out and get out of painting a bunch of stuff, well, then after you, then you, you know, right, no. right. But if it's if you're putting in an effort, it makes the theme. I mean, at the end of the day, as long as you have for me, as long as you have the right unit size, that the unit base mm -hmm. is correct. Um, that's really the big thing. Um, obviously, your, your example of having a soul grinder being being a, a horde of uh, Moloch, Moloch, it's maybe harder for me because I'm not that smart. So it's harder for me to follow along. Oh, that's actually Moloch, not a mm -hmm. whatever. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, as long as you're putting in the effort, I don't think anybody would have a problem with it. Right. Like, I mean, you got a guy like Ryan, right? And Ryan usually takes a um... – I mean, Ryan, you want to cover that, like where you've got your monsters for chariots and stuff like that? Yeah, I've got a couple of monstrous beasts that had uh, riders on the back. I had some giant dragon ogres that had riders that I was calling skull crushers. Um, I had a fire-breathing dragon I was calling a chimera. Um, a lot of stuff like that where it's on the right base, and I try to combine elements into a different part of a story. Right. So, I mean, like, Ryan's army would be almost, I'd say, 95% counts as, right? Oh, yeah. My Warriors of Chaos Army has zero games workshop models in it. Right. I mean, you know, don't want to give them any money anymore, but... <laughs> <laughs> Hipster Ryan, I've been doing it for three right, years right. now. Right. So, I mean, I guess it's going to be up to the TOs, of course, where they're going to say, you know, hey, just make sure that it's the same base size and make sure you discuss it with your opponent ahead of time. But Yeah, I think, I think as long as you're giving a reminder when you're doing it, Jeff, I, yeah. I don't think it'll be a problem. I'm sure somebody will have an issue with it because, sure. I mean, you know, well, when you're looking at the battlefield, you get the impression, oh, there's a giant monster there. Oh, wait, no, it's actually just a unit of infantry guys. So you'll have that, but I mean, most people are smart enough to. Separate. But is that is that substantially different than like Masters last year, where Larry Matola's got like a Lizardman army that has no Lizardman in it, and it's just like a whole bunch of like Turban guys? Like, I mean, is it really any different? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't think Larry took a a giant monster that had the same footprint as a unit and tried to Fair pass enough. it off as a unit. I mean, Fair that's enough. that's where I'm but, coming but, from, is it gets a little confusing, but if you're just open and honest and say, like, hey, just a reminder, these are Molochs, I, it, it doesn't stop the gameplay. The gameplay is 100% yeah. rational around. It totally doesn't matter agree. how tall yeah. or how short the models physically are. Yeah. So, you know... I Good point. Good point. Um you know, Rob, you want to cover that um, since you're kind of like our guest expert for it. Um, I I'd like you to cover the the height differentials on what they've mm. kind of done since line of sight with first edition to second edition, if you could. 
Yeah, absolutely. One one thing that I'm going to tack on to Mark's comment, though. The other thing about Kings of War, there's so many limited uh, different unit types that it's a lot less it's, it, proxying and making up units that have different models is probably a lot easier in Kings of War. Because, for example, you know, if it's a war machine or a monster, it's on a 50 millimeter base. Period. So, you know, as long as you have the right unit unit base size, that's really going to dictate to you what it is. Uh, what you talked about before, systematic line of sight. We In first edition, we did have true line of sight. So now we have systematic line of sight. And for me, I think it's probably the greatest thing they've ever done. Because it just, not that we've had a lot of rule arguments, but they're, but it, it, if there was ever the potential for one, it's gone. There is no argument anymore. And basically all they've done is they've just said, look, uh, each classification or unit classification has a height. You know, infantry one, cavalry's two, large cavalry's, uh, uh, mantras, uh, mantras infantry's two, mantras cavalry's three, monsters are four. And, and really, it's just a, a matter of can you see over things yeah. that are, you know, it, it's, 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 it's sort of true line of sight in the sense that you're still going to look and see what your what your uh, what your vision is being obscured by, and as long as it's smaller than you, or they're bigger, you know, in other words, the target, you know, if you're you're height one and you're shooting at height four, well, then it doesn't really matter what's in between you and the monster because you're going to be able to exactly. see it. And uh, and in the way the train interacts with that, it just makes it. I mean, I'm not that smart, and I I can get this, so it's totally awesome. It eliminates any, you know, with Ryan, if he, he wants to do something crazy, no problem. It doesn't, modeling has no effect on line of sight. I love that because everything about me is bigger than it should be. <laughs> exactly. I don't know so that you're not I everything. So you're not punished for taking a cool model. And the flip side is, you know, if you have a, a, a drag, you know, you got in Warhammer, you know, they, you know, there may be some guy that's got some kind of crouching dragon that you can barely see that can hide behind a one shield. Doesn't matter in Kings of War. He's four yep. inches high, you know. He's a height four, and you can pretty much see him, you know, most of the most spots on the table. Yeah, I mean, I mean fair, fair enough. That came up this this uh, last weekend at Bayou, where you know, you know, I I take the uh, I take the keeper from um, Forge World, right, which is over twice the size, and because it's actual true line of sight. You know, homeboy can see my keeper with his with his cannon because my keeper is bigger than the building, even though a regular keeper is smaller than the building. And you know, it's just one of those things. Where's like, I love the model, so I'm gonna play it because I like that model way better, mm-hmm. right? But it kind of it kind of screws you a little. So I mean, it it kind of balances out. I, I really do like that it has predefined heights, so you know, you can kind of take what you want. Yeah, and the terrain also has, you know, we should probably say the terrain is pretty much an inch per, you know, it's height yeah. one is basically yeah. one inch. And, you know, they have, what, four different kinds of terrain. They've got uh, difficult terrain, which is like your woods and your ruins. They've got blocking terrain, which there's no building rules in Kings of War. So, right. you know, yeah. maybe that comes down the road, but, you know, I don't miss them, <laughs> to no. be honest with you. No, uh, there's no way to represent a building, and I hated that about it. Units didn't fight in buildings like that in mass combat. So, and then you've got uh, basically you have obstacles, and then they have decorative terrain, which is just there for decoration, which I think is cool. You just uh, probably right up Ryan's alley. You just move it out of the way. If it gets in the way, you just move it. It's just there for looks. Yeah. You mean I'm, I'm... not supposed to be doing that during games? Right. <laughs> <Shitty> fuck. <laughs> during beer hammer, maybe. Oh, I spilled a beer. Oh no, this tree's got to get moved. Oh, look at that. I can charge you. 
So, you know, one of the other things that uh, Kings of War brings is, you know, it, it's actually what it doesn't bring. And what right, it doesn't right. have are all the crutches. Yep. So there is no, uh, you know, giant Death Star. They don't exist. There mm -hmm. is no six dice monkeys. They don't exist. Uh, there is no heroes jumping into a unit and basically locking up your front rank so you can't heal, you know. All right. the crutches that I use in Warhammer, they're gone. And it, it comes down to you got to be a good player to play this game. So you're I mean, well, let me back up. Yeah, I have trouble. <laughs> so you, you need a good player to win at this game. Let me say that. I can play it. I'm going to lose. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Um, yeah, I mean, to, to touch on that, I mean, it's it's a little bit different, right? Because I mean, your heroes can't join units. Um, you know, there's no there's no disc lord, unkillable disc lord that's gonna fly around and just destroy your whole army. Um, it's it's definitely a different game. It's definitely a different take. And you know, like I was talking about, I was, I was talking about Rob. Um, it's one of those games that you just got to put five, six games into it, and then and then judge it from there. You can't, you cannot call it Warhammer Light. And I mean, that's that is that is super accurate. So, Rob, if you could cover real quick for those people who maybe have tried um, first edition, haven't really got into second edition yet because they didn't like first edition, they played a little bit. Um, what are some of the key notes on um, what they've changed from first edition to second edition? And then also if you could cover um, how magic works by comparison to eighth edition. Yeah. So what they did in second edition is they fixed the game. First edition <laughs> right. was, was really, I mean, honestly, the players, the players was... fixed it, right? I mean, that's, yeah, that's accurate, yeah, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we should probably touch on that. You know, magic's sure. a little bit different in that. They actually have a uh, rules committee that works with Elysio to, to, to draft the rules, basically. And they're, these guys are not paid. They're just fans. They're just super nerds. They love the game. And they, they I mean, I, there's some creativity in this game that we haven't seen before. And one of the rules is obviously counter charge, which just a great, it's a great rule that I haven't seen in a, in a game before. So, uh, but you were asking me, though, what's the difference between first and second? I mean... And first, the game kind of bogged down with War Machines, Knights, and Allies. Uh, basically, in 2nd Edition, they, they corrected the issue with War Machines. Uh, now, you can't pivot a War Machine to... Uh, you have a line of sight, basically, and an arc of sight, and you're not allowed to pivot on the spot. Uh, they've also dumbed down or rolled back the power level a little bit, so even when it does hit, it doesn't blow up the whole unit. Knights, they've rolled out... Basically, in the last game, basically knights, you would always take knights because there was no reason not to. Right. Uh, now, yeah, I mean, now what they've done is they have some new rules, one called Thunderous Charge, which models cavalry pretty well. And basically what it means is when you charge, you're really powerful. But after that, <laughs> you kind of you lose some of that momentum. And it's like a, you know, it's like a, I don't know, it, it models it very well. And so now knights aren't an auto-include anymore. Um, allies, you know, allies, we, we talked about this a little bit on, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, allies, they, they, they used to be basically unbridled. You just do whatever you want. Now there's some serious restrictions. You can't use a lot of your buffs and a lot of your character support for your allies. So I think they've toned it down a little bit. Now, so basically the three things that broke first edition have been, have been resolved. And, uh, obviously they also added systematic line of sight from true line of sight. And I mean, there's there's a whole host of things that changed, but that's kind of the 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 gist of it. 
Yeah, I mean, I like that. Uh, I like that it's a little bit different than a lot of systems where they kind of like, hey, these are the rules we're thinking about. Can we get the players to try it out? Oh no, we want to change this. We want to change that. And you know, I I, I like mm -hmm. that they listen to player feedback because they want a player community, um, and they respect the player feedback because I mean, if they don't have players, then they don't have a system. So absolutely, absolutely. So so magic. You asked about magic. I mean, yeah, yeah, magic. Ma magic's I, I like one of those. Yeah, magic's one of those areas that you know when we say it's not Warhammer light. This is one of the examples that I would give. In Warhammer, you've got a very narrative game where you can really customize stuff. And when you get to the Wizards, you know, how many how many different spells are in that game? I don't know. Right. 50? I don't know. There's a lot. some odd plus. A whole lot. Yeah, whole plus lot. your generics. So Yeah, and, and I think you could, you know, and in in uh, Warhammer, magic is its own thing. It's its own, it's its own phase. And it is its... You can really do some destructive, you know. You can wipe out a whole unit. Uh, you know, you made the comment a while back, maybe on one of their casts that, that I thought was really funny. You know, people are complaining about, hey, I, I can't get over the fact that I've just routed and I picked up my unit, and you said, well, you're already doing that when you got hit with purple sun, right? Right. It's the same thing. <laughs> it's it's ridiculous that you're complaining about something that already happens. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. in Kings of War, we don't have that magic anywhere like that basically magic is simply a shooting attack and it is a, for the most part a supported a supportive attack i mean uh there's only six spells period there are six spells and there's three categories you basically have a couple damage spells with fireball and lightning bolt you've got a couple movement spells with surge where you can move your own uh some of your specific troops you can move your own troops um and then you've got uh, wind blast where you can move enemy units uh, and then you have what's called, what I would call augments. You've got Bane Chant, and you've got uh, Heal. And Bane Chant, basically you can augment your troops to hit, make them hit better in combat. Uh, or actually, damage better against the enemy unit in combat. And Heal, you can put some heals back. But the, the point I'd make is that magic is completely, completely supportive. That's all it is. It's not going to wipe out a unit, period. I mean, all it is there for is to give you that little bit of edge you need in that key combat. And, you know, to that to that end, there's no dispelling. You know, it's it, there's no modifiers or anything. Here it is. Yeah, I, uh, I had a game with Mark the other day where that came up. Um, so Magic, um, it's, it's described as a ranged attack, right? Okay, so you've got... And I don't know that this didn't come up during beta or whatever. Um, let's say you've got a uh, supportive mage with with heal or wind blast or uh, bane chant or something of of that sort. Mm -hmm. um, where where it comes in to be kind of more tactical than it does um, everything else for for offensive magic and and such. Um, so like let's say you've got that mage and that mage is actually a decent fighter so like abyssals right you've got the temptress who can go in she's got five attacks she hits on three she's actually a pretty good fighter but she has the capability to bane chant a unit of um succubi right to give them crush crushing one right so you have to make the choice tactically does it make more sense to add this other chick to the combat where she's going to get five more attacks, they're going to hit on threes, or does it make more sense to try to cast Bane Chant, even though you only have two chances on a four plus, give it to the whole unit because the unit's going to do more damage. Because you can't 
charge into a combat and then used a range attack, right? Because a, a spell well, but, is but a range to attack. Your, to your, yeah. Here's the thing, though. Banechan actually says you can. You can't? Okay. I yeah. wanted to clarify. So Banechan, Banechan yeah, so Banechan is one of the exceptions. Normally with a magic, it's like every other shooting attack. If you're in combat, you mm -hmm. can't you can't shoot. Um, okay. And and now 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 I'm scratching my head. I, I'm like I need to check that and make sure. But I'm I'm be, pretty, be, uh, yeah. It says a range attack, right? So you yeah. have to be able to have line of sight to your unit that you intend to use Banechan on. So that would mean that they'd have to be in your arc A. You'd have to be be You're able right. to use a range attack on them and see. Like I had the exact same conversation with one of our kind of veteran players, Aaron Chapman. And mm -hmm. um, he was saying, I, I said, hey, look, man, we ran, me and Mark ran into this thing the other day. Can, can you cast heal on yourself? Because it looks like you can't. Because you can't put yourself in your target arc, and it's a ranged attack. So there's no i mean it's kind of a gray area but it also does it says you have to be able to target the unit so i would only assume that you cannot heal yourself but you get the impression that intentional wise yeah they probably totally. want you to be able to do that but the way the rules hash out i i from what we looked at it was not existent right so i i like to get your take on that too i mean rob if you if you can yeah i, I mean we're putting you on the spot but <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm i'm pulling up the i'm pulling up the rule book as, as yeah because yeah, you know I mean, it's one of those things where there are there are some really nuanced things in there that yeah. you, you almost have to play like a ton of games before you get to it all. Yeah, um, and, I mean, and I kind of combed it all for it, and I was just like, well, in every single instance here in the magic, in the entire magic phase portion, it, it always says target as though it were a range attack. Well, a range attack, you know, bane chant or heal. I'm I'm using it as a target a unit, but I'm targeting a friendly unit, which would mean I have to have them in my arc. I have to be able to see them, and that's how I have been playing it because that's my understanding of the rule. But it's not to say that... yeah. Well, so you, your one question about heal, it does call it does say in there that you know you know spells can't normally target yourself. Correct. So, yeah. Right. Uh, but you know you bring up a good point about line, you do have to have line of sight. Mm -hmm. um because it does, because bane chant doesn't say you don't right uh, correct i mean all it says is you can hit units that are engaged in close combat right right so i would assume if you are if you're in like let's say you're a level one and you're mm -hmm. in a combat with a level one you wouldn't be able to see through them mm -hmm. so you know unless you're trying to cast it on level two and vice versa if you're in combat yeah, exactly if you're in combat with that caster can you use a ranged attack? So here, here's the great thing: we're getting ready to do a, uh, an FAQ with the rules committee. Sure. So this is—I got to write this one down. This is a good I, one. Well, here, here's here's where it came up: is um, me and Mark played. We played a couple of games. We kind of just we just kind of assumed that it was a ranged attack in all, every sense of the term. Okay, but I went back to West Coast and was uh, hanging out with the California guys, and we were playing a game, and they asked me. You know, what's the ruling on this? What's the ruling on that? Because, I mean, we've been talking about rules back and forth and back and forth. And I said, to my understanding, this is how this works. This is how that works. And I coached them through some games um, with my understanding of what the accurate rules are. 
and that came up you know like i've got this person in combat they're actually a pretty good fighter but they also know the spell mm-hmm. like can they cast i mean like uh undead specifically right like undead do i want to fight with this uh you know pretty good fighter that's also a caster or or do i want to have him sit back and cast heal you know is that an option so i i think that kind of needs a little bit of a clarification as if you're going to call this is an augment spell this is a move spell this is a damage spell i could see if you can't cast a damage spell when you're in combat but could you cast an augment spell where unit a and character b charge into the same combat could i cast bane chant on unit a yeah well right now the only spells you can cast into combat are the augments the heal and the bane chant into combat right yeah but if the caster themselves is in combat that's the question right correct okay so you get back to us on that that'd be nice i'm gonna have to to ask him because that's a you know that's a really interesting thing because well because you know normally your wizards aren't that good because in uh kings of war typically the wizards are but the abyssals are most certainly (laughs) right right right. you've got a demon prince who's who's king Mm -hmm. cast stuff too you know that makes difference now the demon prince he's an individual right no Um, he's not he's a monster he's a monster so he's height four right he's height four but the temptress is height one but she's uh, still fighting. She's the succubus good. character, right? Yeah, the, the succubus succubus character. Yeah. yeah, succubi character. And the other mm-hmm. clarification I think they need to make on there is, and, and we were assuming that, of course, that they were inspiring themselves. But succubi, right, are inspired. The temptress is inspiring to the succubi, but the temptress herself doesn't isn't classified as a succubi. So if she has to take a test. Is she inspiring to herself because she's not classified? You know what I mean? Like, it's one of those really gray areas that, like, you kind of assume you err on the side of yes, but... Well, it's it's just the minutia thing, and that's, right, that's totally. kind of the angle that you and I have been tackling our practice games well, with, mm-hmm. is we just question... Everything. everything so to be 100 percent clear and yeah. we find these little so used to areas. playing gw right absolutely so we're just like so God, just, what, she, had, I mean, so she has inspiring right inspiring to succubi only well i, I would argue you know inspiring I, I i forget the exact verbiage but it says something to the effect of that if you have inspiring you're inspiring to yourself you're inspiring to yourself now i know okay. it's inspiring to succubi but i think i think it would that's I think the inspiring the joke. Will, that's been the joke. Me and Mark, me and Mark have been playing these practice games, and it's just like roll it. Oh, guess what? Reroll it. I inspire myself. <laughs> what's <laughs> like, it, what, what, it's, it's so funny to us. We're like, I inspire myself so much. <laughs> what's interesting <laughs> right. is that with the influx of the Warhammer players that are making it ex- Exodus from Age of Sigmar, sure, we're getting these high end competitive players, and they are breaking well let's call it breaking but they're definitely stressing the rules out like they've never been stressed before sure so, sure i think we're going to have like a six-month period where there is going to be some interesting rules discussions because let's be honest the rules are only like 37 pages long right right but i mean you know what you know what 37 pages is longer than mm. it's it's longer than four. right four yeah, yeah. right <laughs> but, and, and I, I don't i don't want people to get the wrong impression sure. i don't want them to think that we're trying to quote unquote no break the game totally the, not, the yeah. entire reason that he and i are stressing over rules is we don't want to walk into somebody else's house you know right. or mm-hmm. somebody else's event and go like be disrespectful oh, well, and yeah. yeah be disrespectful and be like well i either clearly don't know the rules well enough to be playing this game or 
I'm just going to tell you how your game should be ruled. So that's why we just come at it. And we're like, all right, let's dig a bunch of questions into this. And yeah. you know, and like and the and the cool thing about these rules is, ninety nine percent of the time, the question is answered within the text of the rules. Even though it's only yeah. thirty seven pages, mm-hmm. it's there. It's clear cut. So it, when we find these little niches and we're like, yeah. oh, this is really cool. Let's think about this. Let's you know, let's argue it up. And uh, it's just interesting to see stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, we've posed questions to each other during gameplay and just been like, oh, but what about this? Did it say that? And then we look and then we see like this one tiny sentence that says, yes, this, that, and the other thing. And we're like, oh, okay, cool. It did cover that. You yeah, know? It's, it's it's really exciting. I mean, it's inspiring. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's really cool. <laughs> you inspire cool me, be, Mark. You inspire to, me. To be like well, sitting you know, there, I'm... throw that question out and be like, yeah, I'll look it up. Oh, yeah, that sentence right there. Boom, done. We don't even need an FAQ, man. Like, it's right there. Who cares? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking back to your first question about can you, uh, bain, like, Bane chant. You know, right, right. I, I don't think you can even, if you're in combat, I don't think you can. I don't think you can cast a spell. Yeah, that's kind of yeah, that. That's, that, was that the, would be my because I'm looking at the rules now, and that would be my interpretation. If you're in combat, you're you're out of luck. Now you and can cast it in combat. It. Sure. Then then sure. Um, yeah. But yeah. But, but I mean, I've know, had those conversations where, like, I've had that combat it, um, situation where it was like, oh, yeah. do I take the temptress in because like she can generate five more attacks and she hits on threes and she's already a pretty good fighter. Or do I just kind of bank on the fact that this unit is going to be better with crushing strength? Assuming, of course, that with my two dice, one of those is a four plus. Because that's, again, another gamble, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm better off taking her in for the shoe-in as opposed to, do I get a four plus on these two dice? Absolutely. So, you guys, maybe a question for you guys. What, you know, you guys have been playing a lot of Kings of War. Mm -hmm. What would be... What are some of the things that, you know, A, what do you like? What's your favorite thing about the game, maybe? And what's your least favorite thing about the game? Mark has less games than me, so I'll let him start, and I'll go I'll go into my experience with West Coast and all that other stuff like that. So, Mark, go ahead, brother. Cool. Yeah, uh, I mean, I've, I've, I've kind of outlined some of the stuff that I really like about the game. Uh, I like not taking models off. I like units being in a static position the entire time. I like how movement is king, uh, not necessarily list building. Um, so you're really playing against the player. Uh, I like how fast it is. Mm-hmm. I like how quick you can turn around and get another game in if you need to. So we're looking at, you know, if we're going to this tournament aspect of it, we're looking at six or seven games as opposed to five and being entirely blown out at the end of the weekend. Um, I like that too. Stuff that I don't like about it, I mean, honestly, there's not a whole lot of stuff I don't like about it. Uh, I, I miss some of the customization you used to, you used to be able to do to characters. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a lot more malleable. But again, in that malleability, you had, you know, stuff that was broken, and so you'd have people exploiting, right. exploiting that. So the fact that that's not present anymore, I, I miss it, but it's not something that I ne- don't necessarily dislike about the game. It's just something that I kind of miss. And I'm sure that we'll get into an evolution where that will be more present um, in maybe future editions, but I'm not going to stress about it. I, there's, I'm not trying to sound like a sunshine pumper, but there's not a whole lot that I, I don't like about Kings of War. Because they're they're doing everything. Because they're adding armies. I mean, they're specifically saying let these Warhammer players use their models. So they're, mm-hmm. they're making it a welcoming environment. Uh, their rules folks answer questions. 
on Facebook within an hour. It's I I they're, yet to they're find the anti GW. Like. Yeah, no, the, I've, I've totally yet to find anything that I don't like. Like literally, I, I, love, I love that they. I love that they give the middle finger to GW all the time too. It's hilarious, like in so many different ways. Like you guys can look it up, but <laughs> the 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 shrine and the the rulebook, mm. the rulebook homage where it says the game of fantasy battles at the bottom of it. Yeah, it's it's pretty well, awesome. Yeah, I mean, you look at the rulebook. I mean, they've had Rick Priestley write the freaking intro to the game, right? right. And yeah. then they usually have an annual not price increase where they make make fun right. of the fact that GW would have annual price increase. Right. I mean, it's it's just so funny because you have so many ex GW employees that actually care about you know their their players and stuff, and they're just like, yeah, we know GW fucked you guys, but check this out. You know, it's 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 just it's kind of refreshing to to see a different take and it's not so corporate structured where it's just all about you know bottom dollar and uh, and and things of that nature and rather more about the player um i'm all about customer service number one and and you know making sure that there's a future for their product rather than just selling out at top dollar currently but um so Jeff, you wanna you wanna cover the question? I'm out of beer, so I'm gonna get a refill. Uh, I wanna I want Ryan to cover the question actually. Um, Ryan's been playing like a game or two, and he's in San Antonio. It's it's a little bit different, but he's also seen it on a different level down there. So it's no one plays with me. Actually, uh, one of the gaming stores here. I wish I'd been able to go. Did a Kings of War starter day today, and apparently had twenty something players show up mm. to play. So people like this game. That's great. Um, I, as I mentioned earlier, I haven't played it since first edition, and my complaints for first edition are line of sight rules aren't clear. Huh? Fix it. This is overpowered. Huh? They fixed that too. Um, their models are a little flat in some cases. Mm-hmm. But I haven't picked up any since the first Kickstarter, so that may or may not be true. Um. I'm very excited about dioramas. I'm very excited about having an excuse to make wound counters again and shaken tokens. I love making tokens, which is part of why I like Darklands, because Darklands has like 35 tokens you can use in the game. Which, by the way, shameless plug, Ryan's gonna, Ryan is going to be making beer phase Yeah, I'll be making beer phase turn tokens. counters That's right. and tokens coming up. So if you guys are looking for beer phase stuff... Hit us up at a tournament. Ryan will have your fix. <laughs> no pressure on me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so those are the aspects I like. Um, my favorite game of all time has been Mordheim, which was really totally. by... Let's see. That was Alicia, wasn't it? Great game. I, I'm pretty sure it was. And a lot of what I liked about Mordheim is in Kings of War. Mm-hmm. Shocker. So yeah, uh, simplified magic phase. Magic isn't the be-all and end-all of things. I love that. Um, dioramas, I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, and pivoting, you mentioned pivoting versus wheeling earlier. I'm still going to have problems with that, but then I can't remember if I'm pivoting around the center or pivoting around the front anymore. Center, always center. I know, it's, <laughs> it's definitely different. So um, yeah, until I get some yeah. games in, unfortunately, I'm speaking from the point of view of so the Basilian sisters are going to be nuns in battle armor, right? 
<laughs> I'll, I'll be able to use my sisters to battle for Mordheim for something finally. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Um, I mean, f- from my experience, I've I've kind of experienced it on two fronts, right? So I've got I've got the guys here in Texas from the south. Um, we have a pretty robust um, following in North Texas out here, Dallas Fort Worth area. Um, you've got Aaron Chapman who's kind of heading up the Dallas area of um, of North Texas where he's got you know 10 plus players that are kind of learning the system. He's got the 10, 10 or so current players from first, edi- first edition that have gone to second edition, kind of incorporated those guys in. And then you've got the Fort Worth area where we're kind of transitioning a bunch of eighth edition players over to um, Kings of War. And um, it's pretty much a resounding yes for for Kings of War. Everybody has really kind of encom- kind of jumped in and in in given it given it its due diligence. Everybody who has started to play it has really liked it. Um the the rules um the rules are pretty easy to pick up, hard to master. Um Aaron wrote really, really good and and full props to him for taking the amount of time um, that it takes to do this. But he's got a really great spreadsheet, which is every breakdown of every single rule in Kings of War version 2 and a quick spreadsheet. This does that, that does that, this does the other thing. And, and the guys from Mantic hit him up and said, hey, man. Is it cool if we go ahead and print this in our book that we're going to have available to all the players? And, of course, he said, sure, no problem. It's a really good cheat sheet. Um, makes it makes it very simplistic. Um, the game itself, I have loved. I haven't played <laughs> I haven't played Warhammer at all in two to three months because um, I'm really having that much fun with it. I'm, I'm having such such fun with it that I am having a hard time choosing the army that i want to start painting right now so that i can have something ready for lone wolf of 2016 which mark can kind of speak to a little bit we might be going that way um but as far as the west coast guys go uh, i've covered this with rob already it's more of they're kind of split right now i went out there uh two weeks ago we played I went out there with the intention of playing some Warhammer 8th edition with some of the guys for a game or two, and uh, it it just turned into an entire weekend of Kings of War. And those guys were... This is where I stop you for a second and say I told you so, and then I go back on mute. Right, right, right. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, before I went out there, Marks was like, you guys aren't even going to play any any Warhammer. You're going to play Kings of War the whole time you're there. And, and sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Um, they were they were really excited to uh, play Kings of War with um, someone from a different region because Kings of War is so new to them. They wanted to get the take of someone from another region, even though I'm from California and I moved to Texas, yada, yada, yada. So they kind of trust what I was saying. Um, I went out there. I wrecked their hobby for the entire weekend. Nobody likes me. Everybody told me to fuck off um so it was like texas <laughs> it was just, it was just like normal texas. Um, it was just like texas it was just like normal um uh, no everybody had a really good time um they were asking for rules clarifications i gave them the best clarification to my knowledge because i had a little bit more experience with the game so far um 
but they pretty much said whatever Texas wants to do, we're on board with doing that too because we go to the Texas tournaments. And same thing with Texas, you know, we're we're on board with doing what they want to do because we go to the California tournaments. I mean, Mark just went to West Coast GT. Um, you know, a lot of our guys go to. QCR um, historically. Yep. Totally. Um, we all go to QCR. So it's one of those things is like we need to come together as a community and just say, this is what we're going to do. It makes the most sense. You know, what can we do to make this transition easier for people? The game is pretty forgiving. If if you give it five, six, seven games, you're you're going to pick it up pretty easy. It's It's not anything complicated to learn. I guess I guess the main difference is like having that crutch, right? Like having that uh have having that magic crutch where, you know, in Warhammer Fantasy you can literally decide a game on a magic phase sometimes. I mean, I've I've sucked my keeper down the hole with a two dice you know, two dice spell and, and gave up five hundred points and that, that just doesn't that just doesn't exist in Kings of War. Um I've seen people decimated by a single purple sun wiping out an entire unit of ogres or and or dwarves um that doesn't exist um you don't have you don't have the crazy abusive clip charges you don't have you know challenging out with heroes you, but i mean on the other side like mark said you don't have the crazy customization of a hero you don't have the crazy customization of lord or 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 some such thing but well, and the people that I talk to that have said that think that that's what made the game of 8th edition complex. Disagree. And, I mean, 5th edition and, was more complex in that in that manner. Well, 5th edition had crazy hero hammers. It was so ridiculous. Let's, <laughs> no, let's not go that route. But, um, I mean, that's not what this game does. This isn't mm -hmm. about heroes. This is about units. And I think when they see totally that, yep. they'll realize that it's, it's still there. It's just in yeah. a different form. Yeah, I think yeah. something we may see in the future, though, I, I know a lot of old school players quit 8th because of the big magic phases and the big heroes. Oh, um, you're going to see segment. sort yeah, of totally. a reverse of that because the people that rely on that are going to be very frustrated that they're losing games in the movement phase again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kings yeah. of War is a lot more tactically sound and less reliant on, like you said, list building and big spells. Uh, Jeff, you mentioned that Aaron Chapman was sort of being the big advocate for it up north in Dallas. Uh, San Antonio's got a guy that's doing that down here. It is the star of 6th edition the and man. stage and film and founder of Grindhouse Games, Mr. Jim Bailey. Yeah, you know, you guys mentioned it too. You know, I, I'll be honest. Kings of War doesn't necessarily have the all the bells and whistles in terms of narrative play that Warhammer had. But one of the benefits is, yes, I can't customize my character a million different ways. But here's what I can do. Uh, it's a clean game. It's a clean, concise rule set because I don't mm -hmm. have all those variables and all those little switches that are, you know, I mean, that's part of the problem with with Warhammer is that there's, what, 16 army books. There's a million ways to customize everything. It's impossible to balance. That's why you have to have so much comp because it's impossible to balance the game. Uh, and, in, and in Kings of War, it's all gone. I mean, it, it sort of self-balances in that regard. That was actually one question I had for you, Rob. Do you see TOs as needing to introduce comp if a tournament system switches over to Kings of War? Well, I, yeah, I would say not, not right now, but as Jeff <laughs> and you Texas boys play it some more and find <laughs> your uh, 80 fireball per turn combinations, <laughs> there may be some. I mean, even in first edition, you know, what happens is you watch the game and it, 
and at the end of the day, it's not going to have to, you're not going to have to ban anything. At the end of the day, it'll just be a slight tweak. But I mean, right now, we're still kind of feeling our way out with all the, uh, we should probably touch on it, but there's a bunch of beta lists coming out because they've said that for every Warhammer army that exists, that doesn't already exist in Mantic, like your Warriors of Chaos, there's going to be an equivalent in Kings of War. So I think once that's all said and done, I, I, I have a feeling that we might have a small, very light comp, but I don't think they're going to have to, it certainly won't be like ETC. Right, yeah. Totally agree. A lot of the stuff is kind of balanced out of the box. You'll notice a lot of the um, units have set equivalent rules for like for the units to kind of balance across the armies and they kind of have this like specific one two three units that are kind of unique to itself which kind of make it you know cool you've got the army-wide generic blanket additional rule to it which kind of makes it have a different feel um, you have units that um, are kind of cool where it has, let's say you've got uh, you've got you've got your good, you got your neutral, you got your evil, right? And um, you'll find a lot of the units in there have kind of cross-class capability. Like we've got two neutral armies. Within those neutral armies, you've got ten percent of those units that are that are within each other's army sets normally, right? So like you've got Let's say elemental A and elemental B, and they're they're, you're, they're both neutral, right? They're both capable to be taken in both of those armies. They're just like the rest of the armies fleshed out by other things. So you've got things that cross over into different armies that are the same models, the same stats, but they're within different armies and they have a ge different generic rule. Wait, wait, wait. So are you saying that there's actually like the like in Warhammer, we don't have this case where you have two demon princes and they have different rules? Right, like um, where you've got Warriors of Chaos where the fucking demon prince is unbreakable, but then you got demons where, you know, it's an actual demon from a demon book where it's just demonic inst instability and fucking shitty as hell, but 10% more expensive. Yeah, you know, yeah. like that. Kind of like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. They've done, they've done a good job, I think, too, in second edition. One of the yeah things they've done is reset all the point costs and yeah. i think they've really went through and, and adjusted things to make you know like war machines i mentioned them before first edition mm -hmm. they were also too cheap yeah <laughs> so yeah they, you'd have six of them in your army and uh they've made them much more expensive like even the balefire catapult went from like 85 to 100 points doesn't sound like much but when you're buying when you used to buy four or five or six yep. it adds up yeah and I mean, to kind of touch on that, that the war machine difference. Um, do you want to go ahead and cover the, like the difference in war machines between Warhammer and Kings of War, Rob? I mean, you yeah, you cool with going? go ahead. Yeah, that's not a problem. I mean, basically, maybe uh, I think it'll be obvious what's different between this and War and Warhammer once I tell you. Basically, in Kings of War, they're on a fifty millimeter base. They have a line of sight based on the corners of the fifty millimeter base. They can't most. I I think there's very rare exception. They have a flamethrowers. Yeah, yeah there's there's basically they they have a special rule called reload, which just basically means they can't move. The important thing you know is no. yeah, you can't pivot it. So you better put your war machine in the right spot, or you're gonna lose a turn as you pivot it to get it in the right in the right angle. Um, so that's so that's a big deal. Uh, 
you know, the other big deal is that it's just one dice. Just roll, you know, most war machines have one attack, and you roll one dice. And it's usually a five plus to hit. If you hit, great. Then you do your damage, and the damage, you know, a lot of a lot of them have a special rule called Blast, which is like, you know, a D6 plus two. So you're averaging what? Five? Five. You know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, you compare that to War... Basically, you compare that to Warhammer. Warhammer... The net effect is the same. You're just taking off the same amount of models. But the reality is that the Kings of War version is so much faster and easier. Ten roll from one the dice. back, right? <laughs> yeah, you're rolling. No more ten just, from the back. Exactly. You don't have to do any of that guess range crap. Just, you you know, I should also say, you can you can measure uh, ranges anytime in Kings of War, mm-hmm. just like, any other, like in Warhammer. But, you know, you have, normally have a 48-inch range on your weapons, on your war machines. Um... Well, and the, the, and the war machines in Eighth Edition are way more accurate than hitting. Oh, one sure. At a time, yeah, you I mean, know? You're hit, yeah, you're hitting on a five plus, right? Exactly. Very, very. Is there any way you know in, in First Edition you could actually modify that? Good luck trying to find that. You know, unless you you know unless you give it the elite special rule, you might be able to reroll a one, but you know you're still needing a five plus to to hit. And that, sorry, boys, doesn't hit that often. No, it's a one third chance pretty much across the armies. I've kind of kind of spread across that. Yep. You know, you have the elite special rule within the elves, which allows you to reroll ones to hit, but those aren't bolt throwers, which are not necessarily as devastating. Um, you know, cannons across the board. Of course, you've got your dwarves that are going to be better with the cannons, but there's no elite for rerolls, and, and those are going to hit one third of the time. So it's not it's not like uh, in Warhammer where it hits five sixths. Of the time, right? I mean, that's yeah. that's ridiculous when yeah. you when you think about it. Yeah. Now we should say in, in Kings of War, you, you don't misfire, you don't blow up. Sure, sure, fair enough. So that's but, good. But you just but you know you, you get it in combat and it's it's fucking dead. Yeah, like, because but, if but you attack the war machine in combat, then, you misfire was a one third shot, like or right. sorry, not even a one third shot, a one six shot. Another clarification for you, Rob, since this came up at West Coast when I was out there. Um, I have a individual character. That individual character had fly, and it was per se capable of getting over to said war machine. And war machine special rules are: once you're in combat with a war machine, you triple your attacks versus it. Does that apply to single yes. characters? Yes. I know the individual special rules say you don't get to triple your attacks in the flank of the rear. But versus War Machine. But for but for a War Machine, it still says right in the rules that, yeah, even an individual gets gets triple attacks. Okay. Jeff, even I knew that one. Well, <laughs> I just, I want to cover it all. Oh, I just want to well, say. You know what? Damn. We need to get Ryan into this discussion. We talked a little bit on the models. Let's yeah. kind of talk about, you know, Mantic Games. They've got a bunch of models. They've been making these models for six years. Yeah. What's the highlights? What's the lowlights? What are they doing right? What do they need to improve? I mean, maybe start with Ryan. Um, I've done... I got into Mantic because I was doing an undead army, and their zombies were so much better than any others that were out there. Wait, can you say... Are they better than GW's models, would you yes. say? Yes. Oh, oh, my God. Hit me in the GW's face of the brick. Yes, they are better so than Games weird. Workshop's models. I'm sorry. I heard that the GW's model models are amazing. Models. Um, so I picked up a few undead battalions. The skeletons, I thought, were about on par... I jumped in on the Kickstarter. Um, I had problems with some of their design decisions, and this is probably a, a very... I'm very much an outlier on this. Originally, they had proposed the Basilians as an army that was fully armored, 
and included in that was going to be battle nuns riding lions well sight unseen i'm like okay here's like 80 bucks for them well they made some decisions in design along that route and changed those into basically a flagellant analog and i was so disheartened by that and so excited that my first darklands box had come in that i didn't really touch kings of war stuff since then um, the only Kings of War models I've painted up since then have been the uh, Maw Riders from the Goblins. And I was, there was some good fur texture on the mounts, but the the Goblins themselves just really disappointed me, especially because I had just painted up a unit of Darklands trolls the week before. Mm-hmm. And it was almost painful to me how little detail was on these. But the trade-off is they're dirt cheap. Mm-hmm. So you can't complain that something is under detailed when you're paying half of what another game company or a quarter of what a premier game company would charge for the same model. If you're looking for something economical that you can slap some paint on and dry brush, they're fine for that. If you want to be doing, you know, fur skin tech, fur texture on skin and stuff like that, it's not quite there for it. But that's just one person's opinion. And the caveat to that is I haven't painted any of their stuff in two or three years. And from what I understand, they're getting a lot better with it. Totally. Man, those new Abyssals, I am at the point where, like, I've got a lot of really nice demon models, and I just don't care to use them anymore because the Succubi and all the new Abyssal stuff that's coming out from Mantic, I'm genuinely excited about painting it because as a painter, I see the capability that I can put into these models, and I'm I'm actually excited about it. So people that are saying, like, oh, you know what, uh, that model looks bad, looks okay, it looks this and that, like, I can see the finished product on a blank canvas where, you know, other people who are just, they just see, like, oh, what can I do? I can't dry brush that into perfection. You know, it's, it's, it's definitely a painter's model. It's a blank canvas to me, personally. Well, you know, they've been around a long time. And as Ryan said, you know, he mentioned the Basileans. Basileans came, came out as, as, uh, as a result of the first Kickstarter and the fast lanes is a perfect example of what's right and wrong with with uh, some of their model range. I mean, if you look at all the men, like they're basically like they're great sword guys that are like mm-hmm. wearing robes and stuff. They look great. Yeah, they they do. I, really I can't like wait to them. paint those. Bad the women up. really like them. Not so much. Yeah. <laughs> the 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 battle nuns. I mean, look, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. They're terrible. They're freaking terrible. So much that I had a $300 army in a box, I just gave it away. I was like, I don't even want to look at this thing. Those but, models are the reasons I did not do their second Kickstarter. Because I, I had such of, a bad taste in well, my mouth, which I regret now. Sisters of Sigmar. Boom. Yeah. Sisters of Sigmar. Well, I think they learned, though, a couple things. One is they learned, you know, they, they that was back to their first Kickstarter. They really got heavy into that. They're, they're calling it Restic. <laughs> yeah, the Res yes. Restic, yeah. It's like a PVC plastic. Uh, yeah, it's plastic. not great. Let's be honest; it's not great. Now, right. it's probably better than metal uh, from the standpoint of it's it's a little easier to work with and it doesn't chip as well. But the reality is, they know that we want hard plastic, and so mm-hmm. like the abyssals are coming out mostly hard plastic. Um, you know, especially for all the core units. Mm-hmm. So they're learning uh, every time. They, but you know, a lot of people point to the elves, right? We talked about this, right, Jeff? I mean, yeah, say, totally. oh, the elves are terrible. Elves are six years old. It was their first army. Oh, these are the ones that have no internal organs, right? Yeah, they're little, like little. They're yeah, like Spider Man, like very super spindly. spindly. Yeah. yeah. 
but you know you compare that from from then to now what they're coming out with like you mentioned the sucky buy or, or the morlocks which are freaking fantastic uh-huh. looking models i mean i don't know in in we should also note, you know, they have another game called Dungeon uh, Dungeon Saga, which is coming out, which has a lot of compatible models because, you know, they have abyssal characters that you can buy. Fantastic sculpts. I mean, yeah, Mark, yeah. what do you think? You haven't really said anything about that. Yeah, honestly, um, I haven't had a whole lot of interaction with Mantic's models. Uh, I'm a hardcore Skaven player. They didn't have rat models up until recently with Dead Zone, so I didn't really get to see a whole lot of them. Um the interactions I've had are are the following: the Mantic zombies I've seen, those are fantastic, um, and I've also seen uh, the Goblin Spitters because I won a box of them at Bayou this past weekend. And honestly, like I'm pretty okay with those models. I I think they look pretty cool. I wasn't really a big Goblin fan, so like GW's Goblins as a comparison. I, I don't know that they're better or worse. I like the way that the noses on the, mm-hmm. the Mantic Spitters look. Yeah, Personally, I like gigantic they're... noses. Yeah, yeah, I, I like them better. I like uh, their dog calves. Those are pretty cool, too. I haven't seen the dog calf. I've only Flea seen bags them. or whatever. Flea bags. I've only seen the dog <laughs> cool. calf spitters. But, Except the I mean, arms have I've, no detail. I've had, good, I've had good interactions with the models that I've seen. I'm sure there are some bad models out there. They're just There have to be. But... That's because it was a small company for a while, and it's just right. now taking uh, off. And it's still right? a small company. So, yeah. I mean, they got 20, 20 employees. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, for what they're doing, I mean, it's incredible what they're able to put out. I mean, I mean, some of the newer stuff, I mean, uh, Jeff, I'm sure, I'm sure you've seen the new Ogre um, yeah. Yeah. models that have come out, and they have a new uh, Orc, like War Drummer. I mean, there's some really yeah. cool stuff coming Their out. Their new sculptors are, I mean, they're they're able to afford really good sculpts now so i do like the new ogre models i think those look really great mm-hmm. yeah i i've never been a big fan of the gw style ogre the big fat guy yeah the so, fatties yeah so it's i i do like the uh i do like the ogres romantic now the dwarves i still think i like the gw ones better yeah but i mean when you're paying I'm doing like half the price of, i'm doing the uh um avatars of war ones just because i already invested in some so mm-hmm Oh, the Avatars of War is another. They make great models too. Yeah, I won't buy GW stuff. So, <laughs> well, I'm kind of over them at this point. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Like, I, I know. Like, eh. Same thing. And uh, you know, you said it best. It's kind of like you getting beat by your husband for so long. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Move along. So, all right. Um, I think we're at a good point to go ahead and take a quick break, and then we will come back with some Bayou coverage if uh we can keep Rob around to talk yeah, a little sure. bit about that as well. Uh, we'll we'll get into this bio coverage uh, after after these words. Hey guys, you got a new game table you're putting together and looking for an easy way to be able to transport it from point A to point B? Look no further. Frontline Gaming's new Fat Mat. These things are amazing. We love them out here in the South, and we just purchased a whole bunch of them to run all of our game systems on these exclusively. We love them because a they're beer proof, which is huge for us in the South. B, they set up in minutes, and C, they cut down all that transportation cost big time. No more trying to have 15 guys unloading tabletops, no. Two guys unload 60 tables, no problem, unzip them, roll them out, throw them on the tops of the tables, you guys are ready to play in minutes. And they look great. 
doesn't matter what game system you play, from Warhammer Fantasy to Kings of War to Dead Zone to anything you can think of, even 40k. These guys have you covered. Check them out at Frontline Gaming. Alright, we're back for part two, and we'll be going into Bayou coverage now. Um, but before we get to there, we have beer phase. Uh, if anybody's drinking a new beer, uh, we'll go ahead and go around table and uh, start with Mark. You got anything new for us? Yeah, uh, I, I went and filled up while we were talking Kings of War last segment, and I'm still working on it. I grabbed a regular Temptress from Lakewood. Because mm. I figured I would offset that 6% and 8% beer. Hopping on my train. Out, right? All right. Uh, I, I do love some Lakewood. I did mm -hmm. almost accidentally grab a Deep Ellum glass. Oh. And I, I, I caught myself and I grabbed my Lakewood glass. So <laughs> I don't have bad karma. All right. We're rolling to Ryan. Ryan, you drink anything different? I am. I went to my fridge and I meant to grab a Founders Double Trouble, but I grabbed the wrong bottle and didn't realize until I cracked it open. So I'm drinking a Founders Imperial Stout. Mm. It's at 10.5%. This one was bottled oh, in December nice. of 2012, so it's about two and a half years old. It is smooth as hell, and I am drinking it out of a Rognus Tulip Glass. Ooh. Rob, you got anything new for us? I am drinking the same thing I have been drinking all night, just Ghost River. All right, sounds good. I I cracked it open and went with a Distill Breweries Wild Sour. Tonight we're with the uh, with the counterclockwise. It's uh it's a sour beer. Uh, it's a Berlin Wild. It's a Berliner style Weissen beer, which is um a sour Weiss uh style beer. It's kind of like a goze. It's not quite a goze. It's more of a sour beer. Um if you're the kind of person that likes a sour or likes that uh really lemon heady uh taste, um check out Distill Brewery. Yeah, this is the Wild Sour Counterclockwise. It's like a lemon head, but it's a little um uh a, a little bit more like lemon oil on the finish. So You'll really like it. It's a little bit like our, um, um, what was I, the Golden Sour that me and Mark were talking about from our local brewery. You won't be able to find, you'll be able to find the Distill Brewery Wild Sour more globally than you're going to find the uh, Collective Brewery. So, hey, Distill how does it, uh, Wild how does it stack up against that, uh, that Berliner Weiss that we had at St. Arnold? Is it better or worse? Um, I like this better, actually. Um, that's a good point, Mark. We should also bring up that we went to St. Arnold. Uh, let's go ahead and cover that too. Um, I, well, it's, I like it's a good this... roll into Bayou. So yeah, I that's a good roll into Bayou, man. That's a great segue, non-intentional. Um, so... well, maybe not for you. <laughs> um, so the rest of us are a little more so... calculated. <laughs> right, so so we're we're gonna roll into Bayou coverage. Uh, Bayou is of course a Warhammer fantasy tournament that's hosted in in uh, Houston, Texas. Me and Mark rolled out together on Friday morning. We hit up our our favorite little Vietnamese place out there, got some food, and then uh, met up with the boys and went out to St. Arnold Brewery. I'll let uh, I'll let Mark go ahead and take it over from there. Yeah, so uh, we rolled down. Um, we knew we were going to go to a brewery. We didn't know which one until we actually got there and started looking at times. Uh, funny story for you, just real quick aside. I was talking with my buddy from Ohio, uh, 
who drinks beer up here, and he told me about this brewery that opened like maybe two miles from St. Arnold. And I was like, oh my god, we should go on to that one oh, next. Oh, man. I didn't find out about that until this past week when I was telling him, yeah, I was in Houston. So Friend anyway, uh, we, we roll down and we go and we help everybody set up. We check in and we're yep. like, alright, let's roll out to the brewery. Uh, honestly, it was a shorter drive than I thought it was going to be with Houston and the way Houston traffic is. Me uh, in three hours, up. yeah? Well, no, no, I was talking about from the venue Oh, right, 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 yeah. The brewery. I mean, making it in three hours was pretty impressive too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so so we roll up and it's honestly the biggest non-commercial brewery brewery I've ever been to. And I know I know St. Arnold's is big and they ship a lot of places, but I still wasn't expecting that large of a facility. They had an entire fucking drinking hall. Uh, I mean, end to end, and we were looking at it and we we're like, we should run a fucking tournament here. This Hot is tournament huge, for next you know? year. Um, and so we roll in and we get our tokens and we start drinking and then, uh, freaking Chaz finds, uh, <laughs> like mm-hmm. 10 free tokens just sitting around <laughs> and he just goes, oh, these are ours now. And, these like, are mine. And, uh, so we got like four or five extra beers out of that than we would have yep. for, you know, whatever it was, $10 buy-in. Um, yep. a lot of good beers there. Uh, they have a black Kolsch, which was the thing that I remember most about that was being good. down there. That Santo was pretty dang good, but just the fact that it was a Kolsch and it was just super dark. Yeah, Santo um, was it good. Had, it was it had a little bit of a, a coffee taste to it. Just real uh real fantastic beer down there. I mean, there was nothing that I didn't like. There's oh. stuff I've had there before and I had it again. So. Uh, Do you remember that, that sour drink. was like ballroom or or oh. uh, uh, what was the name of that sour? Um, they had a uh, backroom ballroom. T- tell some- you what. You you start. I'll figure it out. I'll look. Talk about your alcoholic in in endeavors down there, and then I'll look it up on my Untapped because I know I checked it. So yeah, I mean, for for me, it was just going out there to St. Arnold's. It was a great great little setup for just two or three hours. We went with Russell Helms. We went out with uh, Chuck Gavlek. Uh, Who else met us out there? Chris Cole. Chris Cole Robbie came King. out with us. Robbie King. Robbie came straight from work. Um, it was a good little hangout. Um, Chuck was able to find a, a stack of tokens that were just chilling on the side, and uh, you know, afford us an extra two beers a person. So we we deemed that Chuck would then, you know, forever after have to be some sort of a rogue type of character since he yeah, steals steals the beer pickpocket. <laughs> um. It worked was out the good. Boiler, it was the boiler boiler room. Boiler room That's Berliner Weiss. Yeah. yeah, Berliner Weiss, which is why I like this Distill Brewery mm-hmm. Wild Sour because yeah. the Berliner Weiss. I do like this. Uh, I do like this Distill Brewery slightly more, even though it's not a Texas company. I believe it is a Northeast company. I can't remember where. I think it's Chicago Brewery. Um, if you're a sour person, try it out. Um. Yep. Anyway, so let's, then, uh, let's then roll into Bayou. Yeah, we we got done with that. We rolled back up to the event hall. Uh, yep. Rolled out, got dinner. Uh, that dinner was kind of miserable because of was, so. yeah, yeah. There was uncomfortableness. It just fucking <laughs> took. It just took forever to get sat, and then yeah. everybody's in a shitty mood. And yeah. I'm not even gonna get into it because I don't want to be yeah. negative about stuff. So <laughs> yeah. uh, we drank beer. We had, I mean, we had a good time at the table, but it was just, mm-hmm. it wasn't as good as it could have been. Um, 
Then we roll back into the event hall. Everybody's doing open gaming. Guys are playing. Everybody's drinking. Yep. We're sharing beers. You know, we're cracking the sour. We're sharing it with everybody. Yeah. Um, then we did we go out to the bar Friday night. We was did. It, it was Friday. That was it was yeah. Friday, Friday night. night. Yeah, it was. Late. Yeah, yeah. So we did that we instead of playing dark ones on the night. tables outside. I know um, we were fucked up. We we were messed up. It was great. Uh, <laughs> so we all we all roll out. We're all at the bar. Uh, we do the traditional hot songs. Uh, I called Garage Hammer at some point and left a. That's right, Dave Whitech. You better play that shit. That's that was us. Uh, he's gonna have to censor a lot of it, but yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so did that. Um, and then we got home. I think uh, we obviously got home somehow. Uh, I drove. Went, I went think up to the room. So. Yeah, I think I think that was the decision making. Was we were both pretty sober at that point because we had sobered yeah. up drinking the lighter beer. And I was like, well, are you going to drive or am I going to drive? And you're nah. like, I got this. And I was like, all right, cool. Let's go do a fucking car bomb. <laughs> I went and got a car bomb with, like, Ed or somebody. Um, so, yeah, we, we got home. Wake up the next morning. You went and got breakfast. I, I took did. a shower. Rolled down drunk. Uh, played my first game. Um, just want to, like, pound through games real quick. Because, I, honestly, I was drunk. I don't remember a lot of my games. I remember the people I played. But Yeah, why I don't... Let's start with Ryan. Hey Ryan, Ryan you, you name go off name off your name day your, your name off your day one, and then oh, pick you your favorite game out of day one. Cover that. Oh God, uh, I played played Richard Voigt's Tomb Kings. My game one. Uh, he Can't was bone. running a big necro block. I did a miss a make way move to a bad position. I lost the game horribly as a result of that one tactical blunder. It and, and what what army was Richard Poe playing? He he was playing a great little Tomb Kings list <laughs> that you lost to. Oh yeah, I lose to Tomb Kings Shut all the up. time. My you wife plays Tomb Kings. To. Shut up. So uh, one of the Voits has beaten me now. The other one has not beaten me yet. Right? Yeah, there's that. Um, my game two was against. I may have reversed my game one and my game two. I played a Skaven player that had a block with a bell. He had a block with a plague furnace. He had a block of clan rats. He had three or four groups of slaves. And in back-to-back -back spells, he miscast his Gracier and then miscast his Gracier off the board on three dice and two Boom. dice. Um, gave me the game Legit. on that because that just turned it in i mean i gorger friends or i gorger charged the rear of his plague furnace and killed that with a gorger yeah whoa it, it did not go well for him that um and then my game three i played matt labone who had a high elf list sure yeah um and i'll pick that one as my highlight one he had a very mobile high elf list that in a Brandon Sullivan hands would have been an overall competitor, but Matt's new to the game, so he wasn't really sure how he was using it. Sure. Um, he had one of the dragon mages on a dragon. He did a walk between worlds to get it behind my line, and he seemed confused that I wasn't dispelling it, but it was because he landed and either gave a thunder tusk a rear charge on a dragon or was charging a dragon or charging a thunder tusk with a dragon, and I was okay with either of those options. Yeah. So he picked to charge the Thunder Tusk, and I went, I can stand and shoot as a heads up. He's like, well, what's the worst that can happen? Well, it's a change. Well, this could happen. It it hits. I roll to hit. Oh. It hits on a six. I and then it hit six. the rider and killing blow him. Let's randomize. I'll hit no the rider on a five or six. Way, dude. I roll a six. <laughs> no okay, it's straight way. six. I'm going to wound you on a two, but I'm going to killing blow you on a six. 
I roll a six. Okay, do you have anything? Well, I've got a six up ward. He rolls a six. Oh, he warded it? He warded it on a six up, so four sixes in a row. Oh my gosh. But it doesn't matter because the Thunder Tusk ate the dragon out from under him and then thunder stomped him a lot in the face. Right, yeah, you know. And the game just spiraled very quickly from there and I 20-0'd him. Uh, I finished day one on 45 points, which is... A very good day one for me. It's weird how you kill the dragon and then thunder stomp the rider, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All right, uh, why don't you go, Mark? Okay. Uh, God, I was so drunk. Um, all right, I played these three people on day one. Tim Gleese, Nathan Brakel. Oh, fuck me. Who's the third one? Yeah, and apologies Fuck. to the Skaven player. I actually played him game three. I can't remember your name because I was so freaking gone at that point. I I can't I cannot fucking remember who my third opponent was. I know, man. I, I know I had it. it written down. I had it written down. Oh my god. I was god, fucked on game three, insane. man. I see I a recurring theme game here. Three. I think it was game two. Uh shit. Yeah, man. I, I don't know. Um They were all great games. I mean I had I think I've had those th- those five games at Bayou were my best five collective games that I've ever had. Um, anyone in any one of them in their own right was a best game. Uh, God damn, I, I cannot remember. Um, but I would anyway, agree with I'll, that, Mark. I had five games that would yeah. have been best games at any other yeah, tournament. No, no, I, I think yeah, I, I think that was the cool thing about going to that tournament was everybody was in the mindset of um, you know eighth is dead. We're just kind of going through the motions here. We're all going to have fun. Um, I mean, everybody, everybody had that, that mentality, even some of the really, really hardcore gamers that I was talking yep. to, yep. the guys that usually just bring, you know, pound you in the dick list. They were like, Oh no, I brought a jack off list. I was like, Oh dude, I love this. I love And it was just, it was a celebration of, uh, of the, of the whole hobby and the atmosphere and, and the culture that we've built over the last decade down here in the South. Uh, but anyway, I, I got off topic. Um, if I'm going to go for a highlight game, it's going to be a coin flip between uh, Nathan and Tim. Um, Tim kicked the ever-loving shit out of me. Nathan gave me a couple of opportunities, and I just shit the bed. And then he just rolled me up perfect. So uh, either one of those, uh, they were spectacular. My middle game was great. I just I cannot fucking remember who I played. Um, anyway, anyway, uh, spectacular day one for me. Yeah. Well, mine was uh, I played Billy Mondragons, uh, and for for, for <laughs> the guys the guys that don't know, you can only take one. You can only take one special character, right? Like you could your your it's a highlander. Bayou, it's a highlander rule, right? One. There's only one special character for the entire tournament. So I run into Billy fucking Mondragons, Throglist with. Tw- uh, fuck, what is that, 12, 8, 18, 18? is that 18, yeah, Something it's eight, like 18 trolls, the unkillable BSB, the unkillable demon prince, and everything under the fucking sun, and I 20 owe him, and then I roll into Aaron Chapman, another <laughs> amazing player, who has a slan with a skink cloud, and 47 fucking temple guard, and I 20 his ass, and 
he kills four models the entire Holy game. Shit. I just pick that fool up. Like I roll a couple of good rolls, and I just I pick him up. He's just like this is horseshit. He knows my list because we've played the we've played each other twenty times with my master list. It's not that he doesn't know my list. It's just it just goes that poorly for him. Um, yeah, and that'll be my highlight for it is is that I end up picking up a 2,500 point lizardman list from a veteran player, someone who's known throughout the country, great player, didn't make any technical flaws, and I he killed you know a unit of mine, and then I played a uh, Jeff Durham, um, a dwarf player with a uh, fairly uh decent uh dwarf list who just so happened was it a corner castle it, it was it, it was pretty corner castly i mean it was faux castly right so it had the uh it would had the um iron drakes with the slowness times two which you know it doesn't emulate a corner ca- a corner right but it's when you charge it you got to be up on it before you charge it or you you're not going to do anything to it. Um, I rolled up a terrible magic phase two two phases in a row where I rolled where I got a minus one ward save to my entire army, which ended up being extremely beneficial to him. And just, I just couldn't recover. So, you know, he picked me up on that one. Uh, I think like a seven, I think I pulled like a seven or eight in that game. It wasn't a total loss, but I picked up my points, but just took what I could get and, and ran home with it. Um, rolled into um, rolled into day two, and uh, Ryan can cover his uh, day two. My day two, I started off against Robbie King. He was running an Orc and Goblin list. It was a victory points don't matter, capture three objectives tokens game. Mm-hmm. Um, he had Wolf Riders on either flank. I had Noblars on either flank. I killed his wolf riders, I held the objectives on either flank, and then we fought over the one in the middle. He couldn't do anything to get to the ones I had on the flank, and the one in the middle ended up in combat at the end of the game, so neither of us got it. So I I got full points there, and then I rolled into my game 5 on table 7. I'm on 65 points. I need about 10 to probably win the tournament. Julian's on 66. He needs soft score differential. He probably needs a 13 to win the tournament. Or to, to finish in a top three. He was a little down on spart- on softs from me. So what do we do? We play Beer Hammer, because that's what you do if you're in that's a top table game five. Um, I, I just I want to point this out before you finish. Julian has, in consecutive tournaments, been in the top tables, and they're running for things, and has willingly elected to go Beer Hammer in both of them. Beer Hammer. What a fucking baller. That's That's hardcore right there. So I I decide to play impatiently. I get up in his face, and he 20 owes me. Well, it wasn't a 20 It was like a 27. I, I had some Noblars left alive, and you got points for units left, al- naming some units left alive. I picked them because I knew by turn 5 he was going to be so drunk that if he was going to do 20 more wounds, he couldn't drive home. And I was right. <laughs> <laughs> he elected to ignore them on turn six instead of chasing them with some gyros just because he didn't want to get drunker, I think. Uh, so I finished <laughs> up with a 20 to seven, which was good enough for me to finish, I think, tied for fourth in sportsmanship. And you want to do with the final results or do you want to hold off on that? 
Uh, let's hold off. Let Mark cover his, and I'll cover mine. Then you guys can cover it. Sounds good. Yeah. How is All yours, right. Mark? So, uh, so I want to I want to throw this out there before I get into my day two. So, in game two slash three, throughout the day yesterday, um, or I guess this is like a week ago now, but during the Saturday of Bayou, everybody's playing eighth edition. It's an it's an eighth edition tournament. Everybody's playing eighth edition. Guys drive in from out of town to play pickup gangs of Kings of War yep. in the fucking event hall. It's it, it it catches on so much that two of our three TOs go over and start playing Kings of War during the tournament while games are going on. At their time. Uh, people are playing the way, Kings of War. <laughs> by the way, one of those is the TO of Bayou. <laughs> that's that's what I was saying. Two of the three TOs of Bayou yeah. were playing Kings of War. And yeah. yes, one of them was the head guy. Uh they were obviously jumping out for rules questions and everything, so it's not like they were derelict of duty, but they were playing Kings of War. It was fucking mm -hmm. fantastic. Uh, so anyway, my my day two, um, we're sitting there, we're drunk uh, Saturday night playing Flip Cup, and yep. it's, it's me, and I've got Andrew Heinrich right next to me, and we're talking about his battle points, and we're, you know, we're playing Flip Cup at the same time. And he's like, yeah, I'm sitting on this many points. And I was like, Hold on a minute. Let me do some math. Let's see. I lost. Oh, dude, Chuck Williams. That was my other game. <laughs> Chuck Williams. <laughs> Fucking my my only. That's hold so on. Random. My only win of the weekend was against the guy who won the Snotling Hard Luck Award, which yeah. is the guy who loses all of his games and then wins the last one. The problem is he didn't win the last one. He drew the last one. <laughs> and they they had to like flip a coin or something. So. Oh, My gosh. only win was against the guy who theoretically lost the yeah. tournament. Um, so, spoiler alert, I didn't win much. Uh, so, anyway, that was my third game. Um, so, we go into my fourth game. We're sitting there talking with Heinrich while we're playing Flip Cup. And we realize that we're on the same points. And we're like, oh, cool, man. We could play each other. And uh, so, sure, fucking enough, we roll in. And I'm like, yes, we're fucking playing each other. So, Jeff. Uh, this was the game last year, I think, in Bayou, where you played Heinrich. I played Heinrich on game four, yep. Yeah, yeah, and it was the lady scenario and everything. So it was it was like a mirror of last year. Dude, this this is my game of the tournament because it was it was fun as hell. Like I, I know Andrew can be argumentative people online and that's just his personality where, you know, your your voice inflection doesn't come across on text. But we had such a good time. There were no rules issues. And when there were, it was like, well, it could be this or it could be that. Yeah, I don't really feel like making a decision here. Let's just make them make a decision. So we'd call over the rules judge and they'd be like, ah, do this. Okay, cool. We flip a coin or something. Like it was so clean. And then the movement, dude, I, as drunk as I was, I don't think I've, better, I've played a better movement game than that. And he's played, he played a spectacular movement game, man. Like every time I would set stuff up, I would have like four or five gambits in my back pocket of, well, if he does this, then I can do that. And sure enough, man, like I had to go to the fifth one every time because Andrew was doing these spectacular moves. And I was like, oh, dude, I didn't expect, I, I expected him to go for a couple of baits and he never did the tightest, tightest movement game that I've ever played. Um, and just, just great game with Andrew. 
I, I fucking <laughs> top five games of my entire life as far as tournament games go. Spectacular game. So Andrew gets my best game vote. Um, we played out. Andrew wins. Um, it's not a huge victory. It's it's one of those uh, ones where he gets like 17 or 18 of the points instead of all 20. Um, and then I got like six. So, you know, I didn't lose all the way. Uh, but anyway, good game there. Then my next game, I play Kevin. I think his last name is Grant. Uh, dude from Amarillo. Um, apparently, there's a big pocket of players in Amarillo, and evidently, never, and we've just never interacted with them for some reason. So these dudes drove down like the ten or twelve hours or whatever it was from Amarillo to play, and he's sitting there, and you know we're having a good game, and I get some lucky breaks like turn one, and then my combat rolls like I get plague monks and rat ogres into a unit of grave guard, and there's like twenty of them. I do something like four wounds and I pop the plague banner too. So I should be doing way more wounds than that, but I don't, um, you know, whatever, fuck my dice. But anyway, like he rebounds from that and ends up just basically tabling me into a corner. And I think he's just trying to be nice. Cause he doesn't really just try and push just totally wiping me off the table. Um, so we go out and he has a smoke and we're just sitting there drinking beer. And I'm like, Oh dude, you've, you've had the 20 the entire time. Don't worry about it. Uh, but he was, he was a really cool guy. It was really cool to interact with those dudes. So yeah, I finished the, uh, day one and four, um, something that I've done it by you twice now. Um, (laughs) so Jeff, what about your games, man? Uh, my game four was against John Green. Uh, it was the ladies where you pick up all the, uh, you know, Mm -hmm, points. mm -hmm. Um, I had the game in the bag literally at turn one. No joke. Turn one, the entire game. Uh, turn six, he charges in with two gyrocopters, long bomb charges, makes both charges against my unit of pink horrors, and uh, the only way that I could possibly lose this game is to roll double sixes because he charged and flanked, and I just had a banner. I don't have an extra rank at this point. And I have the one that's worth two points and the one that's worth three points. And he only has the one that's worth one point. And I proceed to roll double sixes. So I uh, completely destroy my unit, give him up the two points and the one point, which means we tie the game rather than completely destroying him. The only way that I possibly lose this game in existence, and I am able to do it. And he just is shocked he's just out of his mind like you are not flipping out you're not mad you're not i'm i am literally laughing at the table like i am almost on the ground laughing hysterically like that is awesome and he's just like how why are you laughing that's like terrible i've had people that would be like crushing stuff and i'm just like because, dude, how many times am I going to be able to say literally the only way I lose the game is rolling boxcars? Like, like that, that, that doesn't happen. So probably one of my favorite games of the weekend. The only way to lose a game at all whatsoever is to roll a boxcar on a single roll, and I am able to do so. Um, and that, that kind of spikes my my capability to roll terrible for the entire day i roll into game five versus jordan braun which i have the absolute perfect list on the face of the planet to 
absolutely smother him, destroy him in every way, shape, and form, knowing so, knowing exactly how I have to beat him because he's taking Skaven. Like, I've played this game out a thousand times in my head. He wins one in 99 times. And I roll up the perfect gifts for the keeper. I roll up the perfect gifts for the chariot. And then I roll absolutely horseshit for the entire game. I roll the two plus armor save for the keeper of secrets, which he's able to throw poison slings at from from gutter runners. And I'm able to miss four two plus armor saves in from one unit. Of um, slings, and then miss a two plus ward save and and three five plus ward saves, leaving my keeper on one wound on turn one, which he's able to pick up on turn two. I come in, I miscast on my chariot, I roll a four, I sucker ass down the warp. Um, I'm able to take all but one wound on my on my skull cannon on turn two. And then I charge into a unit of gutter runners who's able to, you know, do three wounds or two wounds through to it. Or no, yeah, two wounds through to it on a three plus armor save. Oh, I don't make any. And I also don't make any ward saves. So <laughs> I'm fucked at this point. I've got a unit of of demonettes, a unit of pink horrors, a burning chariot, and pretty much nothing else on the board at this point. And um, I still almost table him. <laughs> I I go I go big. I throw the pink horse. Have the uh, have the uh, what you might call it the template the big template um, uh, zinches whatever um, the firestorm firestorm right. Um, so it's a big template. I say fuck it. I'm gonna go big on this bitch. And he's exited his MR three guy, and I blow up. Uh, I hit 32 models with this big template. I kill 25 of them, and I'm able to maybe salvage this game still. He needs to roll an 8 or under to to stay on the board. His, his unit is 7 inches from the board edge. If he rolls an 8, he's fine. If he rolls a 9 or higher, he's fucked, and the game's over, and I still beat him somehow in some way, shape, or form. He's able to roll the 8, keep the unit on the board, and, and we shake hands. But what a, I mean, what an up-and-down game, and you, you can't ask for better, you know, from a guy that is is kind of renowned for not having maybe the best game on the on the table maybe be a little bit more dry we had a great game the whole time uh couldn't really bitch about it i had all the perfect stuff but just the dice shit all over my face and i just took it <laughs> so what are, you, what are you gonna do you know so uh ryan how'd your day two go we already did mine but it went well did we? Okay. We did. Yeah, we yeah. started with it. List off your, I, list I can off say your it again if you want. Ryan. Okay. I played Robbie and Julian, and I won the the whole That's right. That's the right. whole Warhammer ever. All of all of Warhammer. All ever. of Warhammer. I'm the champion of Warhammer now. So Ryan, what you you took like third, right? I took fourth overall. I took fourth. second for painting. I took third for players' choice, and I finished. I think tied for fourth in sports. So I was happy with that. Nice, nice. I finished on 72 battle. I think that ties my highest battle at a GT. 
Um, I came to Bayou hoping to qualify for Masters. I sort of built my list around being more competitive than I normally would. It wasn't broken, but I had a hell heart. Normally I wouldn't take a hell heart. Um, but I did well with what I had. I got some matchups that were favorable. My dice on day one just were horrible game one and then spent game two and three making up for it and then some. So it, it did what I wanted it to do. Now I can go to the next GT and just not care again. Nice. Mark, how'd you end up? So I took best general. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> you don't fucking go one and four and take anything. Uh, but I did get four best game votes. Yeah, you plus did. Plus a second best game vote, which in most cases would be good enough to win your best sports. But then what happened? But there's fucking Corey Nicklin in the asshole. tournament. And, and I love Corey. Mm-hmm. Corey was the first person I ever played at a GT, which yeah. happened to be Bayou 11 years ago. So that guy I know it, how man. good it Oh my god, Corey. They named the, they named the trophy after Yep. So, like, from now on, when somebody wins Best Sports, they're winning the Corey Nealon Sports Award at Bayou. And he totally deserves it, getting five best game votes. Corey's amazing. So, congrats to Corey. Mm -hmm. I got second best. I'll take it. Second sports is fucking solid. Love it. I did not do great. I took uh, 13th overall. Uh, I was able to tie a fourth... uh, for a for fourth place uh, painting award, which is, you know, that's good. I didn't quite place, but, uh, you know, with the competition that was there, that makes me happy. Um, and tie for fourth place for uh, sports, which is, again, not placing. So it, it happens, but for a GT, I haven't placed in anything. So, you know, it's different for me. It's different for me, but I had a good time. Every one of the, every one of the people that I played, I had a great time playing against, and uh, I really can't complain. The whole tournament in general was great. The attitude was great uh, in the community. Um, you know, you could really feel the fuck it, you know, vibe of of everybody just being done with eighth edition. So it was it was certainly different. Um, we did have some exit polls. Um, yep. That Mark was hosting, and and Mark, I think the listeners would probably be interested to see where those turned out. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that we're worried about as a community, um, and and this is me talking as a TO, and this is me talking as the uh, South Chair for the Masters Committee. Um, we're trying to get a gauge on our players and where they want us to go, because this eighth edition to Age of Sigmar shift has it's burned a lot of people. I mean, let's be honest. A lot of people aren't happy about it. Personally, I'm not happy about it, but my personal views can only come into this from the gamer perspective, which is one of, we've got like 300 gamers in Texas and Arkansas and Louisiana. So I'm one 300th of this factor. So what we thought was, you know, I don't get to interact with a lot of people during the week. I don't get to interact with a lot of people during my free time. You know, guys don't have my phone number. They can't text me or anything. So I was like, well... This is a perfect opportunity. You know, we've got everybody in the same room. I'm going to take a poll. And I I contacted Rick and the Bayou staff, and I was like, hey, guys, is it okay if, if, if I print this thing out, this questionnaire, and hand this out so that we can get a gauge on the players for your event? 
and this will give you an idea of where you might need to go next year and it'll give us as a region you know texas arkansas louisiana where we need to go as a region next year um and so there's there's been polling elsewhere like i polled on the the lone wolf facebook page you know what do you want to do so basically the poll broke down like this you know next year the gws or not gw the the tos of this region realize that there may be a different game system that you guys want to go to what game system if we ran it would you show up for and the options were uh you know, 8th edition Warhammer, 8.5 slash 9th edition, the two different things that uh, the Swedes and individual people are working on. Um, Age of Sigmar, War Machine, um, Kings of War, Darklands, 40k bolt action, uh, and a bunch of other stuff. And we, we, we allowed people to write in stuff. So, you know, we passed that out that day, Sunday morning. We say, hey, everybody, you know, make sure you fill this out. We're going to do this. During the the interim, you know, at all GTs where they're about to announce, hey, here's who won, you know, here's what the awards are, they're sitting there crunching numbers. So while they're crunching numbers, guys are doing announcements. So everybody stands up and they all do their, you know, here's my GT, we're doing this, we're doing this. Everybody is all, does all their announcements. I stand up and I say, hey, guys, we're doing this poll. We've handed out these pieces of paper. If you haven't filled them in and turned them in, Make sure you do so, because this is your opportunity to tell us what you want us to play. I said, you know, it doesn't matter if I agree or disagree with what you're voting. We need to know what you want to do, because we can't run a tournament if only two people are going to show up to it. You know, I can't spend $4,000, $5,000 to rent a room for two people, because that's taking money out of my pocket, and I can't afford that. So then the next year, there would be no tournament. So we need to know what people are going to show up to. And so we pass it out. Everybody hands it in. Uh, when I make that announcement, I get like five or six more people walk up and turn in polls. So that, that means that people kind of knew it was out there and just didn't take the time to, to do it until we laid out, like, this is what's going to happen. And, and the thing about our community is, and this is, this is something that I love, is we're such a connected South community that other communities are more disjointed than us, and that's not to throw mud on anybody's face. I'm just saying that our players and our TOs, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's like a symbiotic relationship where you yeah, just kind of know what, what's needed. And, and that happens elsewhere, but a lot of the other regions are kind of in turmoil over this. They're like, oh yeah, there's a split down the middle. Like one, one group of us wants to go that way, the other group wants to go that way. All of our players are pretty amiable where they're like, well, what everybody wants to do, we'll kind of do. So anyway, you know, drum roll, here, here's the results. We had 69 people out of 74 players turn in um, their ballots. So this is out of 69 votes. 84% of our tournament that turned in votes would go to a Kings of War tournament in, this, in the South GT area. So Mark... The next the Let's next see. highest, hold on, the next highest okay. percentage is 52%. Half, half of 69, so 35 people, would be willing to do 8.5 or 9th edition. Then you get into 8th edition, which is 36%. Then Age of Sigmar, which got a whopping 7%. But let's put an asterisk next to that because but then... in the same vein, 
I had, and remember, we were only asking for positive impact. Yeah. I actually had people write in on their ballots, if Fuck you do Jeff Age James. of Sigmar, I will absolutely not show up. Yeah. So that was negative 7%. So Age of Sigmar basically got a zero vote. What percentage was fuck Jeff Daniels? Uh, one out of sixty-nine. Okay, so yeah. But, it, but that percentage. was somebody voting. That was somebody voting for Age of Sigmar specifically to fuck Jeff Daniels. <laughs> so technically, it wasn't seven percent. It was probably more like five point five. But yeah. who's counting? Um. Anyway, then War Machine got six, and then Darklands forty k bolt action, uh, a convention style, Yahtzee and Flip Cup all got one vote. So, so the overwhelming well, winner here is is Kings of War. If so was, 84% well, of our players 84%. go to this... Yeah. Okay. If 84% of our players go to this, I can still run a tournament, and we can do this Okay, thing. so that's 84% retention in a, in a collaboration of 69 votes. Okay. What's the... Rob, what's the largest Kings of War tournament currently in the United States? I think, like, 20 players. 20 yeah, players. Yeah, like yeah. So if we were to triple that, that'd be pretty good, right? <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty awesome, yeah. Yeah. So, and, and here's a good jumping point for this conversation. What's happening with these sort of polls is at Rock Wars, we're going to have a South GT committee of TOs. Because pretty much everybody from every TO is going to have representation at Rock Wars from right. the South. So we're going to have a Bayou guy there. We're going to have a Lone Wolf guy there. We're going to have an Alamo guy there. We're going to have a Rock Wars guy there. We're going to have a Shiloh guy there. We're going to have a Paul's Cock guy there. Like, there's going Moonshine. to be somebody. Moonshine. And Moonshine. And Moonshine. <laughs> sorry. Um, and I think maybe even Meat Shank. Yeah. There's going to be somebody from everywhere there. We're all going to collectively cast a vote after we talk amongst each other. And that's going to be our decision as an entire community. Here's what the South is going to do. And that's happening in like two to three weeks. Three weeks. Yep, three weeks so, from now, we will have a definitive answer for the entire GT community for South. So here's the thing, and here's the next segue. There are some tournaments that happen at such an early point in the year, they can't sit around and wait for that vote in mm -hmm. the middle of... Yep. In the middle of September, they have to make a decision now. And using this poll and using some of the other data that we've laid out, Shiloh has already announced that it's going to be a Kings of War tournament. So, super excited. While, while that's not an official stance by the the entire South Committee because we haven't taken the vote yet, it's a good indication that that's probably the direction we're going to head. Lone Wolf yeah. is going to vote Kings of War because my Lone Wolf poll, like. 75% of those votes were all for Kings of War. The Bayou poll, 84%. I mean, it, it's it, the numbers are there for us to have players. And remember, these yeah. are these are Warhammer players. These aren't Kings of War players. Mm -hmm. So there's an entire other segment of players in the nation that could come to our tournament that were not polled in this process. These are literally old 8th edition players that were only polled. So we're we're talking about maybe being able to supplant that fifteen twenty percent with with existing Kings of War players coming to our events. It, it adds up to a hundred percent retention, yep. theoretically. So that's kind of where we're headed. Um, Ryan, I know you're doing a poll. Do you want to kind of pimp on that? Throw that yeah, out there. I can talk on that. Um, Alamo is sort of a special case in the South because 
almost 40% of our players generally are out of region, uh, either from California. We get three or four guys from the Mid-Atlantic every year. We get a couple of guys from Midwest every year or two. So I email, emailed everyone that's come to Alamo the past three years and asked for input. Um, I am still taking those votes, so if you got that email... Or if you've been to an Alamo in the past and want to weigh in on what you want to play, uh, you can email me. The Alamo email address is alamofantasygt at gmail.com. Um, we've gotten about 50 votes in right now. And whatever the majority decide for Alamo is the way Alamo will vote. So if you travel and you care what the South plays, this is your chance to have an opinion and let me listen. Um... Right now, the leading vote-getter on the Alamo is Kings of War at 78%. The next closest one is using the Ninth Age, which is something that's being put out by the Swedish company ETC guys, at 64%. So that's a drop-off of about 12 people. Uh, after that, we've got 8.5 edition, which is sort of updating the rules ourselves at 54%. Uh, keeping on with 8th edition, about half the people have said they'd be willing to do that. I find that kind of interesting, but that's not enough to meet the numbers I need to pay for the haul. And then there is a huge drop-off to Age of Sigmar if you guys fix it at 28%. <laughs> so if we, the, the South TOs, fix it, I'll have 28% of my guys show back up. Age of Sigmar, if Games Workshop fixes it at 24%, and then another huge drop-off for a bunch of other games, War Machine, Hordes, Malifaux, Darklands are all sitting at 12%, and Age of Sigmar, out of the box, is currently tied with the Dark Horse write-in candidate of Drunken Strip Poker with John Bailey where we are in thongs. <laughs> At six percent. Wow. So, so wait, let me let me get this straight. So people are more likely to show up if we, the TOs of the South, fix the the Age of Sigmar rather than if GW fix fixes yes. Age of Sigmar. That is correct. Then, right now, we fix awesome. it is better than. I think it's pretty indicative awesome. of the fact that people know that GW is not going to fix Age of Sigmar. Yeah. So if you want your opinion known, I've got another two weeks before I have to finalize that and figure out what I'm voting for at Rock Wars. So you guys who haven't voted yet, yeah. you've got about two weeks. Um, Rob, I want to ask you, what is your take on the fact that you have all these 8th edition players? I mean, that's 50 or 60 guys in each of these polls saying, yeah, we'll play this new game that we've never played before. Well, I mean, uh, just at base value, it's amazing, right? I mean, I've been playing... Clash of Kings events for like three or four years, and like I said, I think we got twenty at one. That was like the best ever. Um, I mean, and that's even—I don't know if you guys remember a few years ago when they offered a thousand dollars for the winner. Yeah, <laughs> and they still only got a few people. So yeah. the the upside to Kings of War is is huge. We're gonna we're gonna see a massive increase, um, and it does sound like you guys are leaning that way. So, and I have a feeling once you guys you being the South makes the call, uh, you're going to see a lot more folks, a lot more regions are going to, are going to step up and take notice. I mean, in general, from my informal discussions with people, it sounds like most regions are strongly considering it. The Midwest is still the Midwest. So yeah, they're like all over the place. So who knows what they're going to do. 
But I mean, it's even getting play up in the East Coast. So, and down here in the Southeast, you know, our our next event, Redstone Rumble, that's already converted. We'll be we'll be playing that uh, in October. Yeah. And uh, the, some of the other TLs will be at Rock Wars, and they'll be you know they're gonna want to talk you know Todd Perkins for NashCon. They're gonna want to find out what you guys are doing because all signs are pointing to king's war has the southeast made a decision as a group yet or is it a case where they may just fragment and every city does something new no see the thing is we don't have as many tournaments as you guys have and they're really all kind of near each other so we have one in nashville one in huntsville one in chattanooga they're all kind of within a few hours of each other uh the reality is that there's maybe two or three kind of leaders of the of the of the region, and where they go, everybody else will follow. So Redstone mm-hmm. Rumble is the first one on the docket. Once we get NashCon to convert, I think the and then we have Holiday Brawl, which is run by Robert Brandon. That's also talking about it. So I think once Redstone is successful and NashCon makes the call, I, I think the rest of them are all going to fall in line. And if you guys go, I mean. We'll, we'll, I mean, we're always kind of, I mean, if you think about it, you guys, you know, your tournaments are 80, you know, 65 to 85 players. We're, we're on the half that size. I mean, our big one's going to be 40 players, maybe at NashCon. Sure. So, uh, you know, we're, 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 we're kind of easy. We don't really comp anything. <laughs> so Kings of War is the perfect game for us. Just yeah. I mean, play it out of the book. And, and I mean, that, that might be something that, uh, you know, historically, is... that's something we used to do. I yeah. mean, we, we used to never comp anything, and it was just after a while we, we got used to seeing the same list winning over and over and over, and we're like, oh, well, let's mix this up a little bit, you know? Yeah, yeah so the, the one thing that I'm that I'm still interested to find out, though, is, you know, like I said before, the influx of all these Warhammer players, it's going to definitely, I mean, it's going to stress test the system, Kings of War, like never before. So I'm ready to see how it was, you know, I'm ready for you guys to break it. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty good at breaking systems as far as just cracking them open and seeing like, well, this is a flaw, this is a flaw, this is a flaw, and like, there's no, there's nothing that's really just jumped out straight away at me. Um, you know, I thought I had a pretty solid Abyssals list. Um, you know, Aaron, Aaron was able to. I, I told Aaron specifically, you know, hey man, here's my list. I really want to lose with it so that i can you know manipulate a little bit and uh you know rock wars or not rock wars uh bayou we went we went and played that night and he was able to uh to pick me up by a couple hundred points and make me rethink my army a little bit so it just really makes me think about like you know the the capability of maybe doing more of a fully balanced list rather than a list that just does something well in one regard. Yeah, and, the inherent and, uh, gimmick. Yeah, inherent yeah. gimmicks don't really necessarily win entire tournaments because you're gonna nope. find your you're gonna find your 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 kryptonite at some point during that tournament and, and that's where um I think my, my blanket statement for the weekend for Bayou was um you know, there's there's always there's always the counter to your list. There's no there's no just showing up to a table, putting down something that should that should work, and then just does. 
Um, there, to me, Kings of War is a lot more about playing the person that's across the table from you rather than playing um, the list that's across the table from you. I mean, would you validate that, Rob? Absolutely. Isn't really like I said, army creation. You can find some cool combinations. You can find some synergies between some units and characters. But at the end of the day, you win it on the table in the movement phase. Um, I mean, deployment, you know, some would say deployment still matters. Yeah, of course it still matters. Sure. But you still win the game in the movement phase uh, mm -hmm. more than just about any other game that I know of. Um, I'm excited about what what's going to happen. I mean, the sky's the limit. And the one mm -hmm. thing that, that that's really very comforting, let's say you do break the game. Guess what's going to happen? Man, it's going to fix it. Yeah, they're yep. going to fix it. They're going to go, okay, Jeff, what did you do? Okay. And then they're, and they're going to get the rules committee, and they're going to post yep. in the forums, and they're going to take feedback, and then they're going to frick the freaking game. I mean, they did that. We had a one point, you know, we had a one point five edition, which well, that was the very reason for for having that edition, was it just came in and had some clarifications uh, in army construction to make it so you know people weren't you know breaking the game so much. And I want them to fix that. I'm Absolutely. not the guy that wants to break the system and be like, oh, look at me, I broke the system, I'm going to keep breaking it. I want it to get fixed. I, I break systems so that that we can have balance in the system, not not to be that dick that shows up with those super broken lists. You know? Yeah, it's refreshing when a company, when you say to a company, hey, this is broken, and they go, you know what, you're right, we're going to fix it. Or, you know, right. you, you ask the company, was this your intent? You know, how, how am I supposed to play this rather than... Uh, response for age of sigmar questions well i don't know how do you want to play it i mean they have they ha they definitely know what they want out of their game and it's 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 good to i mean it's it's fun to invest in when you have a company that supports it and everybody's engaged in the same thing we all want to have a fun game but we also want to have a competitive game that's balanced that could and let's be honest, let's one thing we haven't said all night this is a tournament game, guys. Yeah, This totally. is a freaking tournament game. And if you haven't played with chess clocks before, that's a whole new experience. When you lose a game because you've run out of time, you'll stop dicking around. And we also didn't mention, there is no, what's that term that people use when they're like, they're losing the game, but they, they stall. I believe it's, I believe it's, so, I believe slow, it's slow play. play. Yeah. yeah, there isn't slow play. in, in Justin. Yeah. <laughs> so there is none. The only person you hurt in Kings of War is yourself. Yeah. So upside is infinitesimal. You know, it's it's huge. And uh, really, if you think about it, there's not a, there's no downside to this. You're you're going from if you're, if you're moving from Warhammer and you're moving to Kings of War, you're moving from a game system that's more balanced internally, that's clear and concise, has all the really cool things that you miss in uh, Warhammer. I mean. Look, it's ranks and flanks, guys. That's all you really need at the end of the day. Ranks and flanks and movement and combat. Uh, but you know what else you get? You get a company that gives a shit. Yeah. <laughs> you, get, I, you, get, yeah. you get a company that wants your... Yes, they want your money, but you know what else they want? They want you to be a customer, and they're going to do whatever they need to do to make you stay a customer. So, I don't know. It's refreshing. They're open. Their openness. Their business practices. I mean, look... They don't. They don't do everything. They don't walk on water. But in comparison to GW, right? Yeah, well, we're, not, 
their attitude towards their players has brought me back in when I was almost ready to be done with them after the first Kickstarter because some of their communication I thought was not what it needed to be. But the amount of outreach they've had has just really impressed me enough that I'm taking another look and now I want to be playing again. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and they've had missteps over the years and uh, usually when they make a misstep, for example, the current Kickstarter, they've had a misstep. Let's be honest. The... It's now August what? And I still don't have my book. <laughs> right, right, So that's right. a misstep. But I, I, it's I supposed have to be all... there today, yeah? It's, it's 22nd. Yeah, yeah so... but their, their supply went crazy. Exactly. So yeah. Yeah. You, you have to keep that in mind. But... Like they got slammed hard. Yeah, and Ronnie will eventually make a post or a video, and he will explain what's going yeah. on. He'll apologize, and he'll explain what he's going to do to fix it. Yeah. So I mean, you know, that you'll never get that from GW. You'll never get a sorry for fucking you. You'll never get a you never get a this is why we're doing this. You'll never get a, you know, this is why we're going that direction because it's uh it's all about market, man. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I mean, like I hope you guys are as excited as I am because this is like this is probably the best shot in the arm that our tournament community's had in 5 years. Yeah. And I get thanks it. to GW. Right. Yeah. yeah thanks. thanks, Games Workshop. You've got you people excited so to be easier. playing fantasy first, games again. They're not playing yours. <laughs> yeah, first I was like, but they're excited. GW. But now I'm like, thank you. You yeah. just made my choice that much easier. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we're at a good point. Um, we'll 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 jump off from here. Um, Rob, if you would just give everybody a plug again for where they can find you, what uh, what podcast they can hear you on, and how they can get in contact with you uh, independently, and uh, we'll, we'll jump off from there. Yeah, so I mentioned in the opening that we uh, we have a podcast called It's Ohio Hammer. Um, it is, a, I guess, becoming a general gaming podcast. Who knows? We haven't recorded in a month, I mean, at this point. <laughs> but same guys are also behind Counter Charge, which is the, uh, it's a Kings of War all the time. Uh, you can find all that stuff either on iTunes, Market, yeah, BlackBerry Marketplace, Stitcher, all the places you normally find stuff. You can also just go and download them, uh, OhioHammer.com. There's a bunch of podcasts on there. There's Countercharge, Ohio Hammer. There's also this thing called Extra Points where we just have different people that jump on and give us takes. There's one called Model Citizen, which is run by Alan Blunt. So there's a bunch of cool content there. Um, Best way to reach me, I'm on Twitter, RetroAlias. That's R-E-T-R-O-A-L-I-A-S. Um, that's that's where I'm at. I'm on Twitter. I tweet a lot of stuff. Uh, maybe not as prolifically as Jeff, but I try. I try to keep up. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if you haven't listened to our podcast, you know, make sure you pop in and listen to it, especially if you're interested in King's War. We've got an episode yep. that's totally dedicated to the differences. I mean, we touched a lot of it tonight, but we have, like, a two-hour episode where blow by blow – and if you're into that kind of thing, blow literally, yeah. Differences between Warhammer and Kings of War. And uh, last thing I would say, though, if you are thinking about it and you haven't played it, please don't go into it thinking Kings of, I mean, uh, Warhammer Light, because no, very good friend of mine, Ryan Nickel. I told him not to do it. He went ahead and do it. He's now on that downward death spiral, just continuing to mourn the loss of Warhammer. Look, yeah. Warhammer's gone. It ain't coming back. Nope, ain't coming back, dude. May as well move on. It's that it's that girl that breaks up with you, man. You may you may as well find the next best thing. So this exactly. this is it, exactly. man. Well, hey uh, guys, I appreciate you uh, letting me come on. It's been fun. I don't even drink beer that much, so I had to go and get some beer. That was great. 
<laughs> well, I mean, we're gonna see you guys. At, we're gonna see all y'all at uh, at Rock Wars in the upcoming weeks. I know. Yeah, uh, actually, I'm gonna see yeah. Mark. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna see, see you a whole lot. I know Mark's gonna be all up one. in you. Yeah, I, I, I haven't decided him. even yet. You know, I have till tomorrow to even figure out which army I'm gonna bring. So oh, I, I've cool. been I've, plotting I figured out, out you drunkenly know. last night. It's terrible. <laughs> well, you're bringing Skaven, right? So it's how hard bad. Could it be? It's pretty bad. Yeah, I've seen his stuff. So no, no, you you haven't seen this. I promise you. It's pretty <laughs> shitty. Hey, I'm used to Texas fucking me over. No, no, it it ain't hard. Believe me. If, if oh, it's I not hard. You with this, no. you should be glad that Eighth Edition is gone yeah. because you yeah. you're playing bad. If it I beat bad. you, <laughs> well, I may have to just prove you wrong then by bringing a shit list that I can actually lose with. Well, actually, yeah. if I show up, I usually lose. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just make make sure you bring plenty of stuff for what matters, which is Kings of War for uh, Saturday night. So and beer, <laughs> yeah, and, and beer. we should we should shout out. You know, at Rock Wars, we're going to be demoing Kings of War. Yeah, uh, Friday night starting at six, and all weekend. If we're not playing Warhammer, we're, we're playing, playing Kings of War. We're playing Kings of War. That's how it yeah, goes, guys. Exactly. Uh, so, I'll try and talk you guys into playing Dark Ones a little bit too. Oh, absolutely! For fun. I actually I'm hear, still hear interested, man. Yeah. I I am yeah. super interested while we're there. So. Again, uh, this has been third episode. Uh, we will get back to you guys here probably with a little bit of Rock Wars coverage right before we head on out to Rock Wars. Probably break down some lists a little bit, even though it's closed list, because fuck it, why not? Um, <laughs> you can all um, know what I'm bringing. It's not yeah. going to help me any. Yeah, yeah I don't have anything matter. that shocking. So, It'll be yeah, pretty generic. I don't mind. Uh, We'll read off some challenges and, and, and things of that sort. So uh, uh, Mark will be challenging Rob Vanoof, uh from tonight, and then uh, I'll be challenging Jake Hunter. I'm sure that uh, Brian has a challenge ensuing as well. So I've got we're a challenge sh- out to Jason Johnson, who just won Bayou Battles. There we go. So we will be talking to you guys in the nearby future. Until then... We're going to go 0-3 as a fucking podcast at Rock Wars, I think. That sounds I, great for day I one. I doubt it. You're playing Rob, man. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to Just lose. talk to Jody. He'll Ryan's going to lose. So it's going to be down to you, Jeff. Like, you've got to at least keep us in the 33%. I, I heard I heard Jake's one of their one of their best players out there. So, uh, we'll see. Know. He brings we'll a see. tough list. I don't know if he's. Yeah. We'll see how he backs it up. Yeah, Jeff's we'll list see. is pretty fucking good. That's it's pretty it. fucking heinous. So we'll see how that works out. Alright, we'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks for joining us.
Big high. 